Support for this podcast comes from Smartwater. Want to get a little more from every sip? Smartwater Alkaline doesn't just taste crisp and pure. It's loaded with everything you need to perform at your best, whether you're running marathons or boardroom meetings. Elevate how you hydrate and pick up a Smartwater Alkaline today. To learn more, visit drinksmartwater.com. It's the Mixed Martial Arts Hour with... Mixed Martial Arts Hour back in your life on this Monday, October 10th, 2016. Hello again, everyone. I'm Mario Hawani back inside our New York City studio. Thank you so very much for joining us on another beautiful Monday here in New York City. And boy, do we have a lot to talk about on this Monday. First things first, happy Thanksgiving to all my friends up north. Family and friends, I should say. Where's my flag? There it is. Yes, To all you uninformed Americans, and I know that is somewhat of an oxymoron, yes, I am aware of that. Today is Thanksgiving here, or up there in Canada. It is on a Monday. It is a month and a half before yours. These things do happen. It doesn't all revolve around you guys. So if you're off today up north, if you're celebrating the Blue Jays' big sweep of the Texas Rangers last night, what a moment that was. I could do a whole three and a half hour show on just that. Loving it. Buzzing. Can't wait. ALCS, here we come. If you're celebrating that, if you're celebrating Thanksgiving, there's a lot to be thankful for, including the great support of mixed martial arts. So thank you very much for joining us. If you are joining us on your day off in Canada, if you're elsewhere in the world, appreciate you stopping by on this Monday afternoon. It was an eventful one in the world of mixed martial arts. Once again, UFC 204 in the books. And you know, some people want to call the main event between Michael Bisping and Dan Henderson controversial. I think that the the proper term is is maybe arguable, debatable. It was a fascinating fight. It was a fascinating fight to score. Scores all over the place. To me, it was one of the best main events of the year. It's in the discussion for fight of the year. In the end, Michael Bisping successfully defends his middleweight title for the first time. He defeats Dan Henderson via unanimous decision. Two scores, 48 to 47, 149 to 46. All busted up, cut up bloody. Don't look at that though when trying to score or determine who won the fight. But worth noting afterwards that he was a little busted up. Dan Henderson calls it quits. We wondered if he'd call it quits. He does call it quits. He sticks to his guns and it's a proper send-off. And you know what? In the sport of mixed martial arts, not everything's black and white. But I do believe that Saturday night's result in the main event was what was best for business, if you get what I'm saying. And we'll talk about that a little more. But that was the perfect scenario. That was the perfect... If if they could come up with, all right, we're going to do this fight that was much maligned, that really didn't make a lot of sense. It was number 13 versus the champion. We're going to go into this. We're going to sell a lot of tickets. It's going to happen at 5 a.m. If we could come up with the perfect scenario, and I'm not saying they drew it up, but if they could have drawn it up, that would have been it, in my opinion. Now it gets interesting. Now we see who Michael Bisping is going to fight in his second title defense. But he is a fighting champion, and he survived some pretty serious blows, and you got to give him a lot of credit. Will he ever get that credit? I don't know. And it also makes me kind of sad that there is no real MMA Hall of Fame. If there was a real MMA Hall of Fame, Dan Henderson would be first ballot and would get the proper 
recognition that he deserves post-career. Now it will be like Sunday afternoon after four events in Las Vegas in some busy convention hall, you know, at the Fan Expo, getting a, you know, a little glass statue. It's just not quite the same. But it's a Hall of Fame career. He goes out, you know, with a ton of love, that close of doing the one thing he was unable to do in his MMA career, and that's win the UFC belt, but nothing to be ashamed of. Former Pride champion, two-time Pride champion, two-division Pride champion, and Strikeforce champion as well. And a guy who kind of played by his own rules. Remember, left the UFC, signed with Strikeforce, came back after the purchase, signed some big deals. Uh, Dan Henderson has nothing to be ashamed of. Uh, also of note, Gegard Mousasi defeating Vitor Belfort. Was that his last fight in the UFC, Vitor Belfort, in MMA? We'll find out. Uh, currently going on right now in Las Vegas, there is a Nevada Athletic Commission hearing. Uh, Conor McGregor is talking to the commission about the incident between him and Nate Diaz and their respective teams where, as you know, water bottles and monster energy cans were thrown back and forth. Uh, it appears to be, I'm not on the call, obviously, because I'm doing this show, but it appears to be a bizarre scene once again um, where Conor is on the line and they're talking about having him do media training and potential suspension. It's all very bizarre, but what, what more do you expect from, you know, from this cast of characters? Right now, they're, we have Pat Lundvall arguing $25,000 fine is not enough. 5% fine of McGregor's... I mean, who knows? I'll give you the update once we, uh, once we get the final word on what punishment he receives. And Nate Diaz isn't even on the call. He got a continuance. I kind of feel like they should both be on it at the same time. John Jones, Brock Lesnar get continuances as well. Once again, the circus is in town and uh, all, in my opinion, all very avoidable, but they love this sort of thing. And it, it has been quite some time since they were in the news. So, and I'm not saying that what Connor and Nate did was right and that they shouldn't be reprimanded, but the suggestions being thrown out here, nothing short of ridiculous. Um, okay, stack show as always. We've got to talk about 204. We've got a little break in the action now, and I think it comes at a good time so we can get properly excited for 205. The Manila card this weekend has been canceled. They're calling it rescheduled, but unless every single fighter and fight on that card is moved to another card at the same time, like if that entire card gets moved to another date, then that's rescheduled. If they're kind of scattered, as is usually the case, then it was canceled because it's not happening in Manila and all those fights aren't going to be on the same card. But I guess that's the way they want to spin it. Um, okay, today on the show, 405, we're going to talk to Mac Rice. Remember Mac Rice, former UFC fighter, got in that horrific car accident uh, around three years ago, cut short his fighting career, now doing very well, had a very exciting weekend going to be fun to catch up with Matt Rice at 4.05. At 3.45, UFC newcomer Mark Diacasey will stop by. He had a successful Octagon debut on Saturday. Remember last week on the show, I was telling you, remember the name, and he had a fantastic debut on Saturday. was successful, um, a flashy guy, but a very talented fellow. Always brings it when he fights. Now he's 10-0, uh, definitely a name to remember in the UFC. Mark Casey will join us at 3.45. 2.45, we'll talk to Chris Weidman about his UFC 205 fight against Yo Romero. Derek Lewis will stop by. Derek Lewis was in Manila when he found out that the card was canceled. How about that? This is a guy who doesn't like to travel. He'll stop by at 2.25. Misha Tate will be on at 2.05. Talk about her uh, UFC 205 fight against Raquel Pennington. Ricardo Lamas will be on at 1.45 to talk about the BJ Penn fight falling through. Where does he go from here? And UFC light heavyweight champion Daniel Cormier will stop by at 
125 to talk about fighting Anthony Johnson at UFC 206. His sixth light heavyweight fight happening at UFC 206 in the six, home of your Toronto Blue Jays. But first, let us go to the Skype machine and welcome in my first guest of the day. Good friend of the show. There he is, P.T. Carroll of, okay, let me see if I got it right, SevereMMA.com, Fightland, uh, the Irish Mirror. You're doing well. Is there another one? Oh, Flow Combat. News Talk. News Talk, Flow Combat. What else? And sometimes the Daily Mail. Jeez Louise. Which is your favorite one to work for? Can you tell me that? Uh, well, you know, SevereMMA.com is, uh, <laughs> you actually has a special answer. place in my heart. You know, I've been there since the inception. Yes. And, uh, you know, it's uh, it's nearly like my child, I feel like it is. Wow. Along with all the other people that work there. So, uh, SevereMMA.com is definitely, uh, has the, is closest to my heart. But, of course, I appreciate all the other guys who allowed me to go full-time with my dream job. Yes, look at you. Well done. Um, how about this? You know, I wasn't going to start with this, but uh, are, are you following with uh, this whole, you know, Conor McGregor, Nevada thing. I mean, this is some craziness. Media training, 10% of his, uh, of his purse. What is going on? Conor coming on and saying that he'd accept any punishment that they give him. This is, this is madness. Yeah, yeah, it's crazy. Media training for like the man who talks in headlines, huh? <laughs> right, right, yeah, it's, right. It's pretty crazy. Um, I heard that they didn't recommend a suspension, which is pretty good for us in, in terms of Madison Square Garden. But another thing that has been blowing up my inbox in the last few minutes is this report. I don't, I can't substantiate oh, come on. that. No, don't, don't even talk about that. I don't like this oh, stuff. Yeah? Eh, okay, if you want to go into it, go into it. I, no, I don't have anything to back it up, so you're probably no. right. I'll leave yes. it there. Leave it there, my friend. Leave it there. Leave uh, my example there, Ariel. Very nice. Yes, come on, PT. <laughs> this is the big leagues here, all right? This isn't the freaking <laughs> UG. Um, all right, okay. So we will monitor the Conor McGregor uh, situation because they have not made up their mind. They're going to stretch this out as long as possible. So let's talk about UFC 204. You were in attendance. You were at the Manchester Arena. You were sitting there. Uh, front row. Look at you. It was unbelievable. I, I, I kept telling, uh, no, I wasn't watching with anyone, but I was telling my imaginary friends, I know that guy sitting in the front row. It was amazing stuff. Okay, so this is how I want to break it down. First round, okay? Michael Bisping, Dan Henderson. First round. Who did you score it for? Hendo. What was the score? Uh, 10-9. 10-9, not a 10-8. 10-9. Why? Why not a 10-8? Because I felt like Bisping controlled the fight up until the very, very, uh, till the knockdown, and then it got very dramatic, of course. But at the time when I was there, I scored a 10-9. Okay. Um, second round, who did you score it for? Hendo. Hendo. What was yeah. the score? 10-9. Okay, so in that round... Bisping controlled, I mean, a, a, an even bigger portion of the round and again gets knocked down. Why are you giving it to Hendo? Because of the knockdown? Comes close to finishing the fight. Okay. So we now have two 10-9s for Dan Henderson. Third round, who'd you score it for? Bisping. 10-9? Yes. Fourth round? Bisping. 10-9? No, 10 Oh my yeah. 10-7? <laughs> <laughs> okay, now here's the big one. Fifth round, who'd you score it for? Michael Bisping. Michael Bisping, 10-9. Why? Yes. I just felt he, felt he won the round. Um, I can remember, I think Dan Henderson got a takedown in the round. Yeah. But uh, I felt that Bisping uh, landed with more volume. And, uh, and from where I was sitting, a very good seat. Yes, that was. He looked like he was controlling the fight. 
Oh my! So you had it forty-eight to forty-seven, Michael Bisping, three rounds to two. But I'm I'm a bit surprised. I'll tell you how I how I saw it. I thought the first round was a ten-eight. How is it not a 10-8? I thought he inflicted a ton of damage, the big knockdown. Here's the thing, and, and I know this isn't a perfect analogy, but essentially that was a boxing match, right? One takedown in the end, but essentially that was a boxing match, correct? You know, not a lot of kicks yes. thrown, not a lot of knees thrown. Essentially it was a boxing match. The 10-point must system is a boxing model, right? It doesn't really apply to MMA. We've talked about this for years, but fine. That's what they use. If Let's just say the second round was a boxing match, you'd have scored that for Dan Henderson because of the knockdown, right? Mm. Right? Yes. Okay. First round, boxing match, one knockdown, yes. But if you add in all the damage after the knockdown, how is it not a 10-8? Yeah, I get, I get it. But I'm, I'm telling you, what I scored the fight when I was there, it was, it was a 10-9. I mean, it is, it is a fight where you can argue many, many points and many different scores. And the third round as well. I mean, the fifth round. The fifth round, like that was the one I was getting a lot of stick for over in Manchester, you know what I mean, from the Henderson fans, because they thought Henderson won that fight. So, I mean, there are a few debatable points, and I understand the 10-8, but uh, while I was there, um, it was just 10-9. And maybe that's just because, as you know, when you're there, you're yeah, yeah, thinking yeah. so much quicker when everything's happening in front of you. Unfortunately, uh, because of the lateness of the card, I haven't been able to sit down and watch it again. But um, that, that was how I scored it at the time, uh, honest, honestly. Okay, so my take on it is nothing in life is black and white, including judging fights. That's why I think it's not controversial, but this is a classic, as I like to call them, barbershop fights. You could sit down with friends. Uh, I don't know if this is a thing in Ireland, but you could sit down with friends at a barbershop or a restaurant or a cafe and actually have a very educated debate and make very good points as to why, you know, Hendo won the first, Bisping won the first, Hendo won the second, Bisping. So I don't think it's black and white, but I do think that this was the best result for the UFC. I think vacating the title is kind of a mess. I think having someone win the belt and then leaving is kind of a mess. Let's be honest, Dan Henderson didn't necessarily deserve this title shot at this point in his career. They gave him, it was a nice story. He walks away, Bisping gets to defend. All in all, it's a good night for the UFC the way things kind of, you know, shook out. Do you agree? Absolutely. You know, when I, I asked Dan Henderson while I was there, I said, you know, you know you're know, you such a hero in America. Would you not love to hear the American fans get behind you. And he, he was completely happy with what he was getting there. He knew he was going to come out to a nasty reception and he turned the whole crowd. You know, yeah. at the end of it, everyone was on their feet clapping for Dan Henderson. Michael Bisping, a man who often doesn't praise his opponents, is talking about how great Dan Henderson is. Um, you know, and, and it really is a testament to the man, you know, at 46 years of age, definitely not 47, which he had to correct me on, on the media day. <laughs> hands up there. But uh, he... Uh, yeah, I, th- I thought it was just a, a brilliant way for Dan to go out. Um, and I, I guess that fight will be debated forever um, about Hendo and how he could have been the, the UFC middleweight champion. And there's, kinda, it, it, there's something poetic about that to me. Oh, it's amazing. And it, it also is somewhat of a, a good result for Hendo because I, I know he doesn't you know, walk away with the belt, but he's even more sympathetic. People feel bad. What's going on there? Is someone attacking you? Why do you keep looking over your no, shoulder? No, it's just really dark. I'm going to move so you can see my okay. beautiful face. There we are. Um let me see if there's an update on this. Eh, okay, nothing. Um, so it, it's a nice moment for him because he's very sympathetic. People kind of feel bad. He doesn't get the the win. He doesn't get the belt. But he goes out on a very high note. What a performance that was. And I think for Bisping, you know, he shows a ton of heart. So all in all, it's a great moment for the UFC. I think right now, as we, as we sit here today, October 10th, two months to go, two and a half months left, 
is Michael Bisping in the driver's seat for fighter of the year? Is that possible? Yes. And I think the most interesting thing about that is everybody thinks he's going to lose his next fight based <laughs> on the fact that he fought him. You know what I mean? Like, that is so funny. Like, this guy has, like, I mean, I think it's really his grit, his determination that separates him from everyone. And we saw that against Anderson Silva as well. And that was, for me, the difference between him and Henderson the other day. But the next time he's matched for a fight, I guarantee you, everyone's going to write off Michael Bisping. You know what I mean? Because Henderson at 46 and he's meant to be finished and post-TRT, all this stuff that was talked about. And, And Henderson nearly did it. You know, as you said, in that first round, that came very close to doing it. So if people are going to say Bisping is going to lose that fight, I guarantee he won't be the favorite for his next fight because of that. But um, I don't know if that's if that's right or wrong, you know? Uh, Bisping, Stipe Miocic, maybe Eddie Alvarez if he wins on November 12th. Um, maybe Steven Thompson if he wins. Those are the ones. But, I mean, it's a fascinating race going on right now in terms of who is... Um, or who will be the fighter of the year. So, okay, so Bisping, Bisping retains, as you mentioned, you know, he probably won't be the favorite in his second title defense. Of the top four guys who are in play, Weidman, Romero, and what a promo that was afterwards where he runs them all down and calls them all out for being whiners and assholes. It's it's amazing. Um, Weidman, Romero, Jacare Rockhold, who does he have the best shot at defeating? That is a horrible question. Um, (laughs) I think I can tell you who I think uh, is, is the best fight. Like, I mean, I think I think the Weidman fight, if Weidman gets through Romero, I think that's the one that Bisping really wants. Um, and that's a fight I'd really like to see. Um, you know, I think they can kind of put the, the Rockhold fight on the long arm for as long as they can because there's a story there, you know, but it's a, it's a trilogy fight. And, and people might not want to jump all over that straight away again. Um, Weidman has an excellent chance to get a big pop in Madison Square Garden. That's That's an event that's going to be really, really close to his heart. If he puts on a big show there, he's going to get a massive reception. You know, he's going to have the whole crowd behind him. I think he gets that fight, you know, and I like it. I do like that fight. Yeah. Because there's been plenty of uh, Bisping, uh, you know, Bisping sent a bit of heat his way already and he's very good at doing that. He he has that ability, Bisping, and, and it's amazing. No matter who he's fighting, He'll get you rolled up and you want to watch it. You know, even when people were questioning his relevancy in, in the middleweight picture a few years back, you still watched every single fight he had. Yeah. You know, and as champion, I, I, think he, I think he's a really great champion for that division in that respect. And say what you will about the guy, never puts on a boring fight. There's always something going on. His face, you know, looks like a mess. He's getting knocked down. He's landing big shots, but it's never dull. It's never boring with Michael Bisping. Uh, by the way, what was it like being there you know, because I, I can understand if, you know, like, let's say there was an, a North American journalist, you know, traveling over there. You know, if I was there, I probably would have just stayed on North American time. That was, you know, 5 a.m., 6 a.m. for you. You live in, in Ireland. What was it like covering the fights at 5, 5.30 a.m.? It was an absolute nightmare. Um, <laughs> I can't ask Casey and Esther what it was like when I got there. I, thought, I said that to them. I said, well, you guys must have stayed on... Uh, you know, California, uh, Los, a- Los Angeles time coming over here. Well, they tried as well, and they didn't manage to really keep it together. Yeah. It was really tough, man. And when you when you consider that there was an England World Cup qualifier soccer match on it earlier that day, there was a rugby league final on in Old Trafford that day. I think you know, there's all these sporting things, and people uh, like to go to the you know to the pub and have a few beers and watch this. I really didn't think that this crowd was going to last, and believe me, there was a few people sleeping. But the fact that they had 
all these Irish, uh, sorry, English people, English fighters on the card, and they performed so well. Like, look at what Manoa did. Like, look at what Diakise did. Um, you know, even Davy Grant, all the fights were so exciting. Bar the first fight was a bit slow, let's be honest. Yeah. But all the English fighters really delivered, and they made the event so sp- like great. Like, they really gave me energy being in being in the, the arena there. You know, you couldn't help but look, like, be hanging on to every jab that was thrown in every fight. Um, and it all kind of climaxed with, with Michael Bisping. And um, his entrance was absolutely brilliant. It was, it, it was so loud for that, for that hour, you know, yeah. in Manchester. It was absolutely incredible. Really, really great fans. Yeah, I think nine of the 11 fights ended in finishes. Actually, one of the best cards of the year, or at least the most, one of the most entertaining uh, fight cards of the year. I really, uh, I really enjoyed it from, from my seat at home. So, like, do you think that, in, like, the, 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 will they do this again? Or can they not do this again? Was that a special thing because it was Hendo Bisping and it was his first title defense? They can't go back there and have a fight card at 4 a.m., right? I don't think so. And, you know, a lot of people are throwing this around about Croke Park, the idea of Ireland having this yeah. event in Croke Park. And I'll tell you what hurt me while I was sitting there. <laughs> the, the Irish, you know, our numbers are dwindling. And as I said to you, each time... What do you mean numbers? You know, what do you mean numbers? The, num- the numbers of Irish representatives okay. in the UFC. Okay. You know, and each time this crowd got a massive surge every time an English fighter was in the in the octagon. You know, and if they try to do something like that in Crow Park now, you know, there's going to be a whole lot of Irish people asleep in them stands before 4 a.m. If they don't, if they don't have them hometown draws to really get them excited, you know. Yeah. Like when you look at what what we had, we had we had I think we had eight guys at one stage, and now. Without, if Siri retires after Belfast and Joe Duffy goes and tests free agency, we're left with Connor, Ashing Daly, and Artem Lobov. Like, that is quite incredible. Yeah. You know what I mean? And, and without them numbers, I really can't see a pay per view card being staged at that hour of the night. I just can't see it going over as well as it did in Manchester, to be honest with you. Uh, you've watched uh, Dia Casey for, for quite some time. How far can he go? How good is he, in your opinion? You know, I'd be speaking out of turn if I said I watched him for quite a long time. Okay. There's, there's UK guys, uh, even our guys, uh, you know, Steve Cook Abbott and, and, and Sean Betts in the UK. They've been interviewing this guy for years. And um, I, I've kind of caught on to him later in his career. I've seen his, like, uh, I think his last three or four Obama fights. Um, and he really, he really seems to be a full package. You know, he has, he has a great wrestling pedigree. And now all of a sudden he has these, uh, you know, this amazing knockout power in his hands. I, I think the moment might have got to him a bit in the first round. You usually don't see him that kind of inactive off his back. But, you know, when it got going to him and things started flowing, he looked really, really good. And I think to get that first, uh, the UFC debut out of the way, now you're going to really see what Mark Diakese is all about. The one thing I really like about his character is he's so chilled out. Huh. You know, he's, um, you'd, never, you'd never get the feeling that he was a fighter if, he, if, he, if someone didn't point it out to you. He's very softly spoken. He, he's a very nice manner about him. Um, and, and, you know, I just, I just really like the way he carries himself. You know, even around fight week, he was always a smile on his face, walking around Manchester. You know, re- really nice guy. And I, I'm looking forward to see how he gets on. I think we're going to have to see a bit more from him before we can make a yeah. prediction as to where, you know, if he's going to be in the title picture or not. But certainly I'm very interested to watch him in the UFC. Definitely an ill-advised uh, debut. Got a little too excited, a little too aggressive, but was able to rebound nicely. Did he come out to Three Little Birds? 
I can't. I can't actually remember. I think he might. He may have. I can't remember. I'm sorry. Look he, at me. I'm terrible. This is because of the hour they put it I on. Know. I would have known. Were you, how how did you up. stay up? How did you stay up? What did you do? You drink a lot of coffee. Yeah. Oh, my poor uh, podcast partner Noel McGraw. I thought he was going to actually have a have a seizure or something. I think he had 18 cups of coffee backstage there. Jeez. I think all the other media members are staying away from him, <laughs> sweating profusely. Uh, meanwhile, this uh, deliberation about Connor's fine continues. So it's been going on for like an hour over there. It's unbelievable to me that they're talking about $300,000. I mean, this is just madness. Anyhow, uh, who else? Well, uh, like a fine of $300,000 for the water bottle. I thought they said twenty five k at the start. Well, now we're talking, I'm seeing uh, Anthony Marnell is saying three hundred k. Pat Lundvall. Uh, Anthony Marnell is saying no thanks to three hundred k, but others are... Uh, it just gives me a headache. Who else impressed you on Saturday? We had Musasi with the big win. You mentioned Manoa, Stefan Struve with the submission. Mirsad Bektik, who I think is a really, really impressive youngster. Who, who else impressed you? Uh, uh, Rocky Edwards um, against Tumanov. Yeah. Um, I didn't see him winning that fight. Honest, honest to God, when I'm looking at Tumanov, his hands, his left hook, his left hook to, hook to the body, and, and Edwards did absolutely brilliant against him. Um, you know, he, he's really getting a lot of attention now, uh, Edwards, and, and that performance can only help him. Because when, when Tumanov came over uh, and he fought Nelson, I was thinking these are the best two European welterweights we have. You know, in, in the sport, really, and maybe Tarek Safadine, of course, as well. But, I mean, that was a, a top European welterweight clash there, I thought, with Gunnar Nelson and Tumanov. And for Edwards to do that, do it the way he did it, um, you know, that's really, that's really going to be a massive win for him. That's a massive bolster for his stock, I think. So that was, that was a massive win. Um, Davy Grant's uh, armbar, that was one of the, 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 the armbar he lost by. was yeah. one of the most gruesome things I've ever seen in my life. I, yeah. Like, I'm in the front row and I'm nearly looking away, you know, because it's it's torqued right in front of me. It, it looked like it was broken a long time before uh, the the fight was stopped. But that was, you know, there's talking points from nearly every fight there. Yeah, yeah you know, yeah. it was that kind of night. Everything was so interesting. Um, that that was certainly a spectacle, though. I've never seen an arm like that in my life. Musasi is really coming into his own and he, and he talked about like really hitting his stride now which is amazing considering how many fights he has had under his belt already um i really love the idea of him versus anderson silva what do you think of it oh i love it yeah oh, i love it you know and he called for that straight after it which is um you know musashi his the way he dealt with the press this week and all he's amazing he, he's really really changing man like i mean he, he's really come out of his shell he's hilarious you know, he's really, really good all of a sudden. I can remember a couple of years ago, I was trying to organize an interview with him. And, you know, it was like pulling teeth. You could just tell the guy didn't want to talk. But sure. now he's, he's, he's Mr. Media. Yeah. You know, um, beforehand, he, he was kind of laughing and joking with the press. You know, he, and he was coming up with, with great lines like, I'm going, to be in the U- I'm going to be the UFC champion now because he was sat on, on board. You know, just big talking points that he was saying. And I, I think this uh, change in approach he's had, uh, you know, I, I think the fans are really going to, it's going to endear him to the fans. And, you know, big fights like Anderson Silva will do that as well. So I would love that fight. And if you're wondering about uh, Anderson versus GSP, there is absolutely no truth to that right now. So, and, and, and quite frankly, I have no interest in that fight. Do you have any interest in that fight? I don't. Oh, are you, co- you're covering your, uh, your speaker. Oh, sorry. Excuse me. Yeah, <laughs> definitely. Yeah. You do have interest? Uh, Oh, yeah, of course, man. Like, okay. I mean, that was the one that we're all waiting for. You know, that was for yeah. years and years. I don't like unfinished business. I want to see it. 
So so if 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 you had the the pencil, that's the fight you would book for those two guys. Not straight away. Let oh. me have a look at the options. You know what I mean? Let me discuss contracts with these guys first, and then we can talk about <laughs> fight. Uh, typical Irishman. Always talking about the money over there. Um, let's see. Can, can I get a final word on this uh, commission thing before we let you go? Oh, God. Now we're talking about 150000 I mean, the circus, it continues. It's a good time. All right. Well, we have run out of time. Are you excited? Are you coming to New York for 205? Yeah. I was just going to bring that up, actually. I was going to say oh. something about that before yeah. I went. What do you got? What do you want to say? You know, I'm in, I'm in uh, New York for the first time ever. Ever. You do you do a show on Thursdays called the MMA Beat. Oh, don't look you? at you. Look at you. This is and I'm gonna give you some incentive right now. Okay, okay. okay. I have some breaking news for yes. the MMA hour. Yes. Bellator, in collaboration with Bama, will put on a show in Dublin's three arena on the 16th of December, a Friday. And that well, that's all the news I have. I don't have any fights yet, but I this fell into my lap. <laughs> Just before I came onto this show. Well, they knew you were coming on the show. Bellator. Yeah. And it's what they had to tell me. And we're going to have more news on that tomorrow. So <laughs> Look at you. Sure you on Twitter. A true presenter you are. Breaking the news. Well, there you go. That's, that's me. I threw it down there. I threw down the gauntlet. This is like the Late Late Show on RTE. <laughs> oh, no, it's way better than that. <laughs> well, that's exciting stuff. Okay, well, it's under advisement. This is like when the, the fighters get the microphone from Brian Stan and they get to oh, say... Yeah, that's what I was going for. I yeah, said, yeah. I may as well. I may as well stick my chin out here today. I may never be back on the show. Five <laughs> times is a lot. Five times is a lot. Um, I'm still waiting for the check. PT, great to have you on. Pleasure as always. Great stuff over the weekend and uh, great to get your insight. Thank you. Thank you very much, sir. All right, there he is, P.T. Carroll, of many different MMA outlets. Uh, the main one, of course, and his favorite one, SevereMMA.com. Okay, uh, let us move along. Uh, uh, a champion is waiting for us. He is fighting his sixth light heavyweight fight at UFC 206 in the six. But before we move along to D.C., let me tell you once again about my good friends over at Dollar Shave Club. You know I love them. Using it for a while. The shave is fantastic. And, as I mentioned last time, the body wash, shaving cream. There are other products as well, top-notch, not just the razors. They've got a whole host of different products. Really great stuff. They make me look and smell like a trillion bucks. Dollar Shave Club has stuff for your hair, for your face, for your underparts, for everywhere to keep you feeling and looking fresh. Trust me, once you're in the club, you'll see they've got the best grooming products on the market. And they're all affordable. Right now is your chance to see for yourself why so many of us love Dollar Shave Club. If you're not a member yet and have never joined, now's the time. You'll get your first month of razors free. Just pay shipping. And after that, it's only a few bucks. Trust me on this. Join them today. Much more than just razors. They've got it all. Essential for any male out there. So go to dollarshaveclub.com slash MMA. Once again, that's dollarshaveclub.com slash MMA. Now back to the show. He is the reigning defending UFC light heavyweight champion. He is Daniel Cormier. He is on the phone right now. Daniel, are you there? I'm here. How are you? What's up? Wow. It, it was a bit of a somber hello there that I got. I, I'm wondering if everything's okay. Well, I'm in, I, well I was playing NBA 2K and uh, I'm losing, man. I, oh, man. I'm not as good as I used to be, you know. I The old man, the, uh, shoot, I used to be so much better. Who are you playing against? Some guy online, you know, I... I'm not very good though. I, I used to be much better, man. I it's quite embarrassing that I've gotten so bad at NBA. How many hours a day do you play that game? 
Uh, I used to play it a lot more, and that's why I'm not as good as I used to be. Okay. I used to play it a lot more. I just quit on somebody. You know, I used to just I used to hate quitting, but I actually just quit. Not only because I was getting beat, but I quit because I needed to talk to you. Oh, okay. Well, I'm sorry for that. By the way, how special? How special <laughs> are you? <laughs> and here I am thinking that I'm interrupting your busy day. All you're doing is playing uh, NBA 2K. Uh, while your kids yeah. are at school all by yourself. I mean, the life of a champion. You can't beat that. Um, okay. Well, yes. It's the beauty in having the 12 o'clock practice. Ah, okay. All right. All right. Fair enough. So there's a lot to talk to you about. By the way, have you been following what's going on in Las Vegas right now? No. What's happening? Well, they're having this hearing for Conor McGregor, and I'm sure you can relate. What, did you, what kind of punishment did you get about the whole um, incident with John and the uh, MGM? Oh, we... Uh did you have to pay anything? Fined? How much did you get fined? I did have to. I don't know. I think it, it wasn't much though. It was like tw- maybe twenty five hundred dollars because <laughs> I wasn't making as much as John was. So John got like a big fine. I think he ended up getting like fifty grand or something like that. Man, they were talking three fifty. Like they they were bringing up three fifty. Three hundred fifty. Yeah. Three hundred fifty thousand. Yeah. <laughs> what? <laughs> What? <laughs> That's what they were talking Are about. Are you kidding me? Now they've gone down to 155% of his purse. I mean, it's just total madness. We actually got, I got 2500 John got 50000 and we got community service. I had no idea. I didn't even know this was actually happening right now, if I got to be honest with you. No, it's all good. I'm not in tune with what's happening in the world, I guess. Who did you score that fight for on uh, on Saturday night, the main event, Michael Bisping, Dan Henderson? Do you recall who you scored it for? I do. So here, this is my this is my this was my thoughts. Okay? okay, so either way, I would have been okay if they would have said forty eight forty seven Henderson. I I get it. If they said forty eight forty seven Bisping, I get it. Now forty nine forty six, I thought that was a little much. Now here's the issue. The judges scored one and two for Dan Henderson, which in reality, Dan Henderson got beat in the second round and then got the knockdown. So I'm like, well, I can see how they would still score that for Michael Bisping because he was winning the round so clearly up until the knockdown. Or does the knockdown just overtake everything you've done in the round? What do you think? I thought Dan had a better case. I thought Dan had a better case for winning round five because the strike was more competitive and he got a takedown and then almost another takedown. Uh, than he had to win in round two. So I had this conversation with Bob Cook. And Bob's like, if you get dropped, you lose the round. He goes, because when you fought Anthony, first round you got dropped, you lost that round, it didn't matter what you did. I said, Bob, then I lost to Alexander Gustafson. Hmm. He said, what do you mean? I said, because in the third round, I was winning the round and got dropped. But the only way I kept the belt was because two judges scored that round for me still based on what I had done the entire round rather than his knockdown. I said, so you can't be selective in your thought. If you think that way, you have to think that way across the board. And for me, I believe that I can see how Dan would have won the second. I thought he had more case for winning round five than he did round two. Okay, what about first round? Was it a 10-8? First round should have been 10-8. I thought it should have been 10-8. He dropped him. Not only did he knock him down bad, he uh, he really did land some follow-up shots and he got dominant control. Now, so this is this is how I speak about scoring fights, Owani, and I could be completely wrong. Okay. It's a 10-point must system, right? So at the beginning of the round, it's 10-10. You both have 10. Yeah. 
And then at the end of the round, the person that wins keeps 10 and one guy gets nine, right? Yeah. So if through the middle of that round, neither one of those guys had pulled away, it was still 10-10. It was equal. Nobody was doing anything. But then Henderson knocks him down yeah. and dominates that round. So obviously he wins that round 10-9, but the dominance of the knockdown in the position, that should be 10-8. And the damage, and that's how too. I feel. I, and, and the damage. And the damage. I felt like the first round could have could have and should have been 10-8, so it could have been a draw. Yes. And what about the fifth? Who wins that? I thought that I thought Dan Henderson won the fifth, <laughs> honestly. Me, yeah. I thought Dan I thought Dan won the fifth because the striking was fairly competitive. The striking was fairly competitive and then he got he got that uh he got he got that takedown and he held him down for you know, not long and he didn't get much damage off, but takedown is is winning in dominant position. So he got that takedown and then he uh he almost got another uh takedown at the end of that round. It was kind of nice uh, that Dan, Hen- Dan. Go ahead. I said, I guess I. I mean, I, yeah. I guess I thought it was a draw. <laughs> <laughs> or, I didn't even know how I scored the fight. <laughs> well, I was I was watching the post fight show, and I don't think that I heard you actually give your score. So I wanted to uh, to to ask you because I think it's a fascinating fight to score. But I do think that you know, in the end, best for business. Michael Bisping retains. The belt is vacated, et cetera, et cetera. And let me ask you this, DC. Uh, two weeks ago, you made your color analyst debut. Now, I know you did it for the John fight at 197, but you did the entire card. Were you happy with your performance? And was it harder, easier, just about how you thought it was going to go in terms of calling action for around seven hours like that? I thought it was, I thought it was okay. I mean, I thought it went well for a first time. You know, not, not, not many people have the ability to do that job. Um, it's tough. It's a long time. Uh, you don't get many breaks. You're there for, like you said, seven hours, just calling fight after fight after fight. And then there's so much preparation that goes into doing those fights. And there's not many spots where you actually use all this stuff you go and gather on all these fighters. So uh, I thought it went well, man. I mean, the, the, the best part about it is, uh, the people that matter, like the bosses actually thought it went really well. And, uh, I'm going to get some more opportunities to do it. So nice. That's uh, that's like the, uh, the 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 biggest factor in the whole thing, uh, but it is tough. It is tough. It is not an easy job to do. Uh, yeah, I thought it went well. Do you know when your next one is? Well, it'll have to be after I fight, you know, because right now I, I got to really get back to training and preparing myself for a really tough fight, but. Uh, it, it'll be afterwards. But I, I thought it went well, Hawani. You know, I thought I thought people got to see my personality. They got to hear me in terms of what I thought was happening in the fight, technical stuff, but also like a little bit of, you know, like some, some just me kind of being me. And oh, I think yeah. that's important. Your finest hour was when you called out Cowboy Oliveira. I thought that was great stuff. And uh, I'd, I'd like well, to I see. Mean, <laughs> it's almost like he had forgot that he, uh, that he had didn't make weight and all these other things, you know, you got to, you, you can't be like that in those instances. If everything, if, if him and Will Brooks had issues and there was no missed weight or anything and he won in the way that he did, what a dominant win for him, and they had real-life issues, I have no problem with it. When Ronda Rousey and uh, Misha Tate fought and Misha went to shake her hand and Ronda just shunned her, I didn't care. I knew that was real animosity. It's fine. I didn't have any say in anything because you know there's real animosity there. And Ronda had did everything right. 
she had made weight, she won the fight, and she didn't feel like burying the hatchet. So, Carrie, do whatever you want. But don't do it if there's some, some, some bad things that, that, are, that are underlying, you know, you missing weight and, and all that other stuff. So here's some breaking news for you, Daniel Cormier. Uh, Conor McGregor has been fined 5% of his show purse, which is $150,000, and given 50 hours of community service for the UFC 202 press conference incident. That seems a little excessive, don't you think? $150,000. <laughs> for throwing water bottle in an enclosed space. The, does Conor even have a show purse, though? How, how did they come up with that number? Doesn't he just get like a... Didn't he get like a guaranteed $3 million or something? So maybe he's 5% of that. Well, I mean, I don't know. But like, how are they determining what his show purse is? There's no show purse for most guys anymore. But I mean, come on. 150 Forget about what the show purse is. 150 seems like a lot. Um, it's a lot of money. It's like, it was like when they, it's like Nick Diaz. How much did they find Nick Diaz a couple of years ago? You know, it was an excessive amount of money. And I still, I don't think Nick's, still, I don't think Nick's paid that no. yet. So it's like until he fights. Until he pays that, he can't even fight. It's such, so, a, it's such a large amount of money. This is why it's interesting that they're they're laying down the 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 hammer here because I feel like this is a bad omen for your boy John Jones. I feel like they are going to try to make an example out of him. And anyone thinks that he'll be able to return, you know, in December or January, you're you're probably kidding yourself. And and I thought it was interesting that when they delayed his hearing it was supposed to be today they delayed it then a couple days later they announced you versus rumble was the ufc holding out hope that you guys would fight next and if so was that the right call in your opinion uh well you know a while ago we started hearing stuff about john and anthony maybe fighting and that was right around the time that you know we had heard that john's issues weren't as big as initially thought yeah. you know so uh, I think everybody kind of got excited and go, oh well, this guy's gonna be able to fight. Let's put together this fight. Now, Ariel, I'm, I'm I am I'm, I'm a realist, man. I know that they want to make that fight between Jones and Rumble. It's like a fight that hasn't happened before. And if I beat Anthony and say I was to go and lose to Jones again, that fight may never happen, Anthony and John. So it's like, do we really want to let Daniel beat this dude again, or do we want to just match him up now? And I think that was the thought process behind it. But. Uh, our fight getting announced right after uh, just kind of out of nowhere and then him him postponing that thing, uh, someone must have gotten wind that, you know, even though it may not be as bad as we initially thought, it might still be pretty bad and he might be gone for a while. So let's get back to business. I'm not looking past Rumble, but are you at all concerned that there is just an extreme lack of contenders, prospects at 205. I mean, after you get by Rumble on December 10th, you successfully defend the title, all that stuff. There's not a lot going on there that's of interest. No, it's, uh, it's, it's very weird. And I think that's because Jones had been so dominant for so long, he pretty much beat everybody. Like, I mean, when you defend the belt eight times against eight different guys, that's insane. So he had pretty much beaten everybody, and then everybody else beats everybody else, and then Rumble beats everybody else, and then I beat everybody else. So it's like you almost had this, like, three-way of guys, especially, and then Rumble hasn't fought John, but then I lost to John, and it's like it was, it was weird. It was almost like when John Fitch was behind George St. Pierre for so long. It was like John Fitch was just knocking guys off, and when they would become interesting, they would fight Fitch, and then he would knock him off, and then 
George would be faced with not knowing who to fight, you know? So uh, now that we don't know what's happening with John and Anthony and I are fighting again, because if not Anthony, who else? You know, like, I mean, if not Anthony, who else? I mean, no one. Ovid St. Pru got beat up last week by Jimmy Manawa, who, who was, who, who got knocked out well, by Anthony. Know, not that long ago. I, mean, I think the longest win streak in the division, honestly, is no Guerra uh, after uh, Anthony and I. Crazy. Uh, so okay, so you have the Anthony fight. I thought your line about him before your first fight at 187, one of the all-time great lines. What was it again? You said, um, you know, once a quitter, always a quitter. Something to that effect, right? That he 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 was tapped out by Josh Koscheck, so then you'll tap him out, and then you eventually tap yeah. him out. What was the line again that you said about him? Uh, I I don't know. I said I said something to the effect of, if it's in there, I will chase it. You know, the guy got tapped out by Josh Koscheck. And uh, if you were to tell me I was going to fight Anthony Johnson for the UFC championship, yes. I would say you may as well just ship the belt to San Jose right now because there's no way he's going to beat me. Is he, now, the, is he still the same is the guy? Issue. How would we know any different, Ariel? I mean, he's done, he just went back to doing everything he was doing before I, I fought him. You know, so, you know, to me, the most telling thing and it was something that his coaches gave me without actually wanting to give it to me was right whenever we were fighting in the third and I was on top, his coaches started yelling, don't give up. Don't give up. That's, to me, that's crazy. That tells me that they've seen that in him a lot of times. So to yell that in the middle of a fight is about as bad as it gets, especially when the guy that he's fighting, again, has heard it and know that when things get tough, you guys know what happens to Anthony. I, I respect Anthony. I like Anthony a lot. I'll be honest with you. I think he's a phenomenal fighter. I think he's, a, he's, he's, he's tough as nails and he hits hard as can be. But truth is, if he, if he doesn't knock me out, he can't win the fight. And that's not, that's really not enough. You can't have one avenue to victory. You know, he, he has to knock me out because I know Anthony Johnson can't out hustle me over 25 minutes. I know Anthony Johnson's not going to submit me. I know that the only way he can beat me is to knock me out. One avenue to victory is just not enough. Is it hard to get motivated for this fight because you beat him, you know, a year and a half ago? Like, you know, you've had motive Going into 200, it was the John rematch. Going into 182, it was fighting John. You're climbing the ladder. That's all motivation. The Gustafson fight is your first defense. You know, is it tough to get motivated for this? Or, you know... Not you, at all. No, okay. Not at all. I'm, I'm extremely motivated to fight him because I like, I like how, I like how, I like how Anthony looks so phenomenal in his fights that people kind of make him into like King Kong. It's like he's 10 foot tall, you know, and I like that. I like people viewing him in that way because then I get to go out and just kind of smash on him and then just show him that no matter what you build these people into, Whenever they go into the octagon and they fight, a guy that's more skilled, more well-rounded is going to beat him. So I don't care what, how I like that they build him into this Superman. I, it is amazing that you said we have fought a year and a half ago and you should see the stuff I get <laughs> on. Uh, <laughs> it's like, dude, you're getting knocked out. It is amazing because I'm like, man, I heard this only like 15 months ago. And, uh, it's like, honestly, man, maybe he's gotten better with Neil Melanson. I don't know. But every fight's been exactly what it's been before. And uh, 
I'm just going to go and get him again and, and, and make him give up. What are you doing behind the scenes to get GSP to fight on that card as well? My my friend George, <laughs> my friend George, St. Pierre, from Montreal, where they speak French, as they do down in Louisiana. My French brother, yes, GSP, <laughs> get on this fight card, man. Come on, let's make money together. Card placement means nothing. I will be the co-main event to George St. Pierre. I'll fight in the main card opener if you need me to. This does not matter. Let's get George St. Pierre on the fight card, right? The great people of Canada, they, they, they need to see George St. Pierre. Now, I don't know what that means. Sure. What I just said, it is the only French thing I know. <laughs> uh, to George, you probably shouldn't say that sort of thing. But I, I you know what? I, this is why I respect you what so much. What did it say? What did it say? What did I just say? Uh, well, what you, you said, okay, what you actually said was, do you want to sleep with you? What you were trying to say was, do you want to sleep with me? But you screwed up the end. <laughs> you should say, voulez-vous coucher avec moi? Moi is me, toi is you. So you said, do you want to sleep with oh. you? You see that? Well, I don't want to sleep with George anyway. <laughs> I just want George sure. to come at UFC 206 and make money with me. That's what I want. <laughs> what were you told? Like, is that why you accepted this card? Because you, were you told that GSP was going to be on it? Give us the insight. No one's uh, listening. No, I, did, I didn't get told that George was going to be on it. I just thought that when George came to US Tonight a little bit ago, yeah. he said that he would love to fight in Toronto. He said that him being in the four-month testing pool of the, the USADA, it fell around perfectly. So me, I'm thinking, wow, if, if everything lines up so perfect, why wouldn't he fight? You know what I'm saying? And then, honestly, I had a conversation with George about what was stopping the deal from being made at the time. And it did not seem like that big an issue for who he is and what's, what he brings. Yeah. You know, it was, if it's a matter of money, the amount that he told me was not it, that that should not be a deal breaker. That should not be a deal breaker. Uh, they should be able to get that done. Now, maybe I'm thinking wishfully, but I really don't think that that should be a deal breaker. Have you been able to cleanse your soul of the of the Jones thing, or do you feel like it still weighs on you, like you still need to get that one back to cement your place to get the respect that you deserve? Or have you moved on? Like, How do you feel about it now? It's not happening next. It may not happen for a very long time. It may never happen. What do you, what do you feel about the whole situation? You know, Ariel, I just have to be at peace with uh, with with what I've done. You know, I can't, I can't, uh, I can't. My biggest issue with the whole Jones thing, man, is like I, I hate not having control over things that really affect me. And uh, lately, it seems like he has such a massive he has such massive implications on everything that have to do with my career. It was really just affecting me. There is no area of my life where anyone has that much say in it, you know? So, uh, now that I'm not dealing with that right now and, and I've kind of, uh, separated myself from it, it's really good. You know? So, um, we'll fight at some point because I really don't think I'm going to lose, you know, I'm not going to lose, you know? So when he does come back, I'll still just be right here with the belt waiting and, and, uh, and, uh, we'll eventually fight. But, I really don't even know what's going on with that guy. I honestly don't think about it anymore. That's good. If, if it was weighing on you, I think it would be a problem. I am happy that you're slowly climbing up the pound-for-pound pound rankings. 
Remember, I was the one who said that fight should be one versus two and that you can make a very strong case that you are number one. I think it's a battle between the two DCs, if I'm being honest. You and you and Cruz, the two guys who are on the, the set. And, and he kind of gives you a lot of crap on that set. I mean, I think that you need to put him in his place once, once and for all. I mean, it feels like, I don't know, I, I felt like you were a bit of a punching bag on Saturday. That's Dom, you know? Dom is who Dom is. No. <laughs> I I I I I I give it to him pretty good too, you know. But uh, I don't like to. Uh, you don't really want to engage Dominic too much, you know. Sure. You don't want to start to make him feel bad, you know. So we all got to take care of our little cruise bear. Right, so who do you think is number one? You or him? I think it's I think it's Cruz, honestly. And then you? I think it's Cruz. I third is fine for me. Demetrius Johnson is a. Uh, I think Demetrius Johnson is number two behind Dominic. And then you. A, because he beat him. A, because he beat him. And B, because uh, if he went back up to 135, he'd do well. You know, I've always said time and time again, Helwani, what, like, I think we missed the understanding of what true pound for pound means. You know, like, it, it gets lost. It's like, what, what guy's skills translates weight, weight divisions. And uh, I think me, obviously, fighting at heavyweight shows that mind translates. You're undefeated uh, at heavyweight. He's not undefeated at bantamweight. Yeah, but, but but I mean, he's a he's a he's a beastly little dude, man. I I'm fine with number three area. I mean, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna talk crap about Demetrius Johnson. <laughs> I like the little dude, man. I really do. Actually, wow, you are just. I mean, come on, man. Look at you. What? You are you just like to, you like to get me going a little bit, don't you? Like I just give me to talk crap about Demetrius. No, no, not crap. It just it is what it is. I, I feel like you you deserve a whole lot more respect. I am happy that you're fighting in the Great White North. By the way, you should wish a happy Thanksgiving to all the people in Canada. Today's Thanksgiving in Canada, so if you want to endear yourself, to what? The great, yes, today. Early. <laughs> today is Thanksgiving. Can't wait for Thanksgiving up there. Huh? Yep, uh, we're a month early, and uh, the Blue Jays are in the ALCS. I mean, a lot of exciting things. Things, and now UFC 206 in Canada as well. DC defending his belt. So hey, you know, that's the thing about that's the thing about my Blue Jays. You know, <laughs> <laughs> we're kind. Of, you know, we're on our way to doing special things. You know, I mean, we're on our way to doing special things. You know, if we can get through this. We may actually win a championship. It's exciting. I know you've been waiting for Wait, this a long maybe time. I'm on, maybe, hey, Ariel, maybe I'm jumping on the bandwagon a little early. I'm getting a little ahead of myself. <laughs> Usually, I wait until the actual championship round. You know. <laughs> Uh, DC, a pleasure as always. Thank you for coming on and uh, good luck. My main man. Trying to get back on track with uh, 2K. Hey, thank you, bro. Appreciate it. Talk Much love. You. All right, there he is. Daniel Cormier, the UFC light heavyweight champion, returning to action on December 10th in Toronto. Okay, this weekend in the UFC was supposed to be their second show in Manila. The show got canceled Thursday afternoon. The main event was supposed to be Ricardo Lamas versus BJ Penn. That is not happening. Neither is any fight on that card. And right now we're talking to Ricardo Lamas. I do believe he is joining us via the magic of Skype. There he is, the bully himself, Ricardo Lamas. How are you, Ricardo? Good. How are you doing, Ariel? I think the last time you were on the show, you were in your car as well. I was. Well, I'm at the gym again, so there's some guys working out, and it's a little loud in there, so I figured I'd uh, come into the car. I appreciate it. I appreciate that very much. Um, <laughs> no problem. When did you find out that the card was canceled? Oh my God. So I was actually, I was packing up, literally packing up my car in Miami to drive back to Chicago. Um, and I jumped on Twitter real quick and saw some tweets of guys 
you know, reporting that BJ had pulled out of the fight. So I got on the phone and, and, you know, started texting my brother who, who manages me and all that. So it took him a little bit to get in touch with Sean and Sean said, yeah, you know, we're BJ's hurt right now. We're trying to get him to go to the doctor. And I think it was maybe the day after that, that, uh, they had canceled the whole card. So, um, I might have been actually en route to Chicago driving when, when I found out about it. Uh, what was your reaction? How'd you take the news? It sucked, man. You know, I, I literally went through an entire camp. I was done training. The only thing that was left was was to cut the weight. I was already holding my weight pretty low. Um, and, and to hear that, it it stinks, especially with, you know, the holidays coming up. This, this is what I do to make a living. Uh, I want to give my, my family a, a nice Christmas and everything this year and, and to have that all canceled when you put in so much work, it's uh, it's discouraging. But I try to push it out of my head, and, and I know the UFC will will make it right. And you know, I, I believe that everything will work out. Are you being compensated? Um, yeah, they said they're going to compensate me. Uh, don't know the number yet or whatever, but they're also trying to reschedule me. So hopefully, uh, Sean said he he has some calls out and. Hopefully sometime this week I'll, I'll find out if I'm going to be fighting or not. So you don't know if you're getting your show money, your show and win, some arbitrary number. You, you don't know exactly what you're getting. No, I don't know exactly what I'm getting yet. Would you be okay with anything or do you think that you deserve your show money, your show and win? How do you feel about that? I mean, if it were up to me, yeah, yeah, give me the show and win money, of course. Sure. You know, but uh, I would be happy with my show money, but... I, really, I came to fight, you know, I put in all this work. I don't want a whole, an, an entire training camp to go to waste. So, uh, I, I, am hoping that they find an opponent for me and, and, uh, get me on a, a card very soon. Based on what you were hearing, were they close to getting a new opponent for you? Well, in the beginning, uh, Brian Caraway had, had jumped on Twitter saying he would step up and take the fight. Um, and then they canceled the event, but they said, you know, we'll throw you on a card in November. And they approached Caraway again about it, and uh, he actually declined. So oh. uh, now they're they're scrambling, trying trying to find somebody else. Oh wow! So Caraway would have gone up to 145, and they were interested in booking that fight at a later date at 145 again. Yes. Huh. Yeah. Interesting. But I, I believe he wanted more money to go up and wait or something like that, and you know it just didn't work out. Does it does it make it worse because this isn't just any fight on any card. You were main eventing a show against the legend BJ Penn. No telling if you're going to get that fight back. Does that add, you know, a little salt to the wounds? Yeah, definitely. BJ is a huge name, you know. He's a legend in the sport. Uh I never thought I'd be fighting a guy like him when uh you know, I came into the UFC, especially with us being in different weight classes, him uh you know, finally retiring and then he comes back. So it was a huge opportunity for me. It's a big name. Um, and you know, headlining a, a UFC event in Manila was, uh, I was really excited about that. And, uh, it's just one of those things, man. You know, I, I don't want to dwell on it. I just want to put it behind me and move forward and see what's next. Were you surprised that they booked you against BJ? Because originally when he came back, he was scheduled to fight Dennis Seaver, which I thought was an appropriate fight for his comeback, then Cole Miller, and then main event against you. I thought that was a big jump. That was a big push for him and maybe not the smartest move, especially main event overseas. Were you surprised when you were given that fight? I was. It was one of the last guys that I suspected that they would throw at me, you know, but uh, they didn't really give us any other options. When they approach us with the fight, we usually ask, you know, we, we like to have options. So we usually ask, is there anybody else? Are there any of the cars we could fight on? And basically they said, you know, no, this is basically what we have for you. 
If not, you'll have to sit and wait around and, and see what comes up. So uh, I was surprised, but I was excited at the same time, and, and we took the fight. Did you do media with him in Manila? Um, we were there at the same time. I saw him once or twice, you know, at the, uh, there was a little press conference they held there. And then there was a little cocktail that they had at the hotel and we ran into each other a couple of times, but that was about it. No interviews together or anything okay. like that. Did you get the sense that the Philippines were, you know, the, the fans there, the Filipino fans that they were really into MMA or did you feel like, okay, they have a long way to go before learning about the sport, the fighters, etc. No, all the fans that I met. Uh, seemed like they were very into the sport. Um, a lot of people were were really excited to meet us. Uh, literally, like sitting there, like shaking, starstruck, and wow. I was kind of confused as to why somebody would think I was so cool. But um, it was a nice feeling to have. And I, I think the uh, Filipinos are, are big fight fans. You know, how can you not be having a, a star like Manny Pacquiao there? And right. So I think they're they're really into the sport. So as of right now, you don't have your next fight, right? Nothing is confirmed right now. No. What's if you could be Sean Shelby? What's the perfect scenario for you? Um, well, he was talking about trying to get me on the November fifth card in Mexico City, so ah. hopefully that goes through, and and hopefully I'll get an opponent for that. that. That'd be perfect for me. So you'd like to fight in Mexico City, obviously considering your background, right? Of course, yeah. I fought there before. I fought in Mexico twice now, so um, I'm always received very well by by the fans over there, and I always love going back. How about the issue of, of elevation? Because we are less than a month away from that fight. Would you have to go now to acclimate? Or, I mean, considering you fought there before, do you feel comfortable? You know, if you do get on that card, how much time do you need there to get used to it? You know, that, that'd that be the one tricky part. But yeah. I, I kind of figured this whole time I've been training for a five-round fight. It dropped to a three-round fight now. So I figure I keep training like it's a five-round fight and uh get out there at least a week in advance um and i think i'll be all right that's what i did last time i was using a hyperbaric chamber last time i don't know exactly how much it helped but uh i don't think i have enough time to use that now you need about six weeks right um but i'd be confident you know i'm i'm in shape man I, i i busted my my butt this whole training camp so i'm ready to go mentally how hard is it to know that you're less than two weeks away you're you're trying to peak at the right time you're starting to cut that weight and you don't have that release right you don't get to go out there and actually put on the fight the masterpiece that you've been preparing for how do you deal with that mentally how do you now scale back i'm a i'm a type of guy that rolls with the punches you know okay. there's uh there's not much that makes me very upset and and when things like this happen you know it, it sucks i'll be upset for a little bit but then i'll get over it right away and I, I just try and focus on what's next, and uh, you know I, I'm I'm a big believer that everything will work itself out. You know the UFC does does a pretty good job, especially with, with us being the main event. They're trying their hardest to to book another fight for me right now. So okay. I'm leaving it in their hands, and I'm just focusing on my training. Last time we saw you, of course, was in June against Max Holloway. A very entertaining affair, uh, sort of highlighted by that moment at the end where you guys were kind of talking to each other and just were slugging it out. But in hindsight, since you did come out on the you know the losing end, what went wrong against Max? What didn't you do right in that fight, in your opinion? Max just fought really well. Um, I had a, a couple of bumps in my training camp. I sprained my knee um, the last week of training camp. And... Uh, it's not like it, it bothered me that much in the fight. It, it did, you know, pretty much heal up, but it was more of a mental thing during fight week, me worrying about it. And, you know, that I think that definitely affects your performance when, when you're worrying about something a lot. Um, 
but other than that, you know, Max just did very well. I wasn't on my game, and and sometimes that happens in the sport. You're in Chicago right now. I am. You were in Miami. Yes. Um. And now, if this fight goes through on November fifth, I'll probably leave sometime this weekend to go back to Miami for another couple weeks. Okay. Uh, and then head out to the fight. I see you have uh, the baby seat behind you there, right? Yeah. Is yes, that tough? Because you were away from your family, and then you have to go away again. They went with me. So oh, okay. the hardest thing about that was I uprooted them, dragged uh. them down to Miami with me. My poor wife had to be stuck in an apartment all day long, only to be greeted by a grumpy husband who came home from the gym, you know, that, who just went through hell. Yeah. And she was stuck with a one-year-old. So it, it sucked for her, too, because she went through that whole process, you oh, know, man. for nothing. Oh, that is horrible. Uh, definitely, definitely feel for you guys. Uh, no easy transition to make here, but I, I wanted to ask you about, uh, you know, a friend and, and, and teammate of yours, Josh Saman, uh, who passed away. You used to train with him at MMA Masters, right? Yes, I did. Can, yeah. Can you put into was... words what what uh, what you were feeling when you found the news, found out that he had uh, that he had passed away? It's tough. Um, Josh Josh was a really great guy. You know the type of guy who was always energetic during training, always had a smile on his face. Um, I, I'm, I'm kind of like that too. And me and him kind of had this thing where we had always kind of pick fun at each other during training camp. I'd, I'd imitate his style a lot in front of everybody at the gym and everybody would get a good laugh and he would laugh at it too, because he was such a great sport. Um, and me and him were, we were kind of, you know, the pranksters of the team. We we're always, uh, pulling pranks on, on teammates of ours together. Um, and, you know, when I was out of town, me and him would communicate a lot and, and text or whatever. He offered up his house uh, to let me stay during the camp one time. He was just a very giving person uh, and a very nice guy. And, you know, he was really taken too soon. There, there's no words that can describe it. Um, I know that he was having a very tough time dealing with the loss of, of his girlfriend and and all that. And, you know, hopefully now they're reunited together. And uh, but it's uh, it's something that you can't really put into words you know he he's going to be truly missed by me and everybody on the team yeah you know i i won't pretend like we were best friends but of course i've had interactions with him and uh, he told us so much about his life and he was so open and honest with it writing the book uh gosh it's, i can't imagine uh, how his family and friends are feeling it's just heartbreaking stuff so young 28 years old did you get the feeling that he was dealing with a lot mentally because of the passing of his girl like did you feel like this was still very much affecting him 3 years later not really. You know, on the surface, he uh, he seemed like he was dealing with it well. Um, he would, you know, he wouldn't really talk about her that that much or anything. But I know that, you know, in all the interviews, it would come up yeah. and you could see it on his face. You know, I, I don't know if he, you know, kind of blamed himself for the whole situation of what happened. Um, but, you know, who isn't guilty of, of doing that, you know, of texting with, with somebody who, who could be driving or whatever. You know, I know I've done it. Everybody's done it. Um, but it was, it was just very shocking. You know, he was supposed to be in Miami the very next day to start training for his fight. You know, he had just signed a fight in November. And uh, my coach came up to me that morning and, and told me that, you know, he was in a coma. He had just talked to him the day before. And then he's like, yeah, you know, Josh, he's in a coma. And you know, ever since then it, it took me back and I didn't, I don't think it's, it's, I don't think it's hit me yet. You know, yeah. um, I'm the type of person that, the, you know, sometimes when stuff like this happened, there's, there's a little delay and then 
you know, just one day I'll be sitting there and thinking about it and then it'll hit me. And, uh, I think that's what's going to happen now with Josh. It's, it's still really fresh and, and I still can't believe it. You know, it's, uh, I think it because I didn't see him every single day. Maybe that's why it hasn't sunk in right away so fast, but, uh, it's, it's definitely a really sad situation. What was it like at the gym? Um, well, we, we had actually moved locations. So not everybody was, was together. It was, okay. I was kind of going in and doing my training sessions with, with the coaches and stuff. And, and then I'd be out and everybody was kind of, you know, on a weird schedule. Okay. So the whole team wasn't really together when it happened because they're busy moving everything from one location to the other. But, uh, I know a lot of the guys are, are really upset. Um, the manager of the gym who was very close with Josh and, and helped out matchmaking for his local MMA promotion was really upset also. And, you know, everybody, Josh, like I said, Josh was, was a great person and, and lifted everybody's spirits in practice. So, yeah. Uh, it's definitely going to be different with not having him there. What an energy he had. It was unbelievable. Always a big smile on his face, just kind of oozed energy. I mean, he just was such a nice guy. Uh, poof. Still can't get over and, and and surreal to see that graphic at the beginning of the broadcast on Saturday. Um, and I thought it was really nice that the UFC did that, dedicating the show to him. But, uh, man, my heart goes out to you and, and the rest of the team and, of course, his family. Um, just uh, horrible news. Really, really breaks my heart. Um, all right, so now you, you just kind of wait for the phone call, and you're hoping for November 5th, right? I'm hoping for November 5th, and hopefully I'll find out today or tomorrow at the latest. So as soon as I find out, I'll, I'll, I'll shoot you a text and let you know what's going on. I like that. Thank you, Ricardo. I appreciate it. Good luck no to problem. you, man. Sorry this this happened. Uh, it was, you know, obviously a huge opportunity for you, and, and, and I'm sure you're a little bummed, but uh, kudos to you on, on how you're handling the whole thing, and uh, I hope you get that fight on November 5th. Thank you for the time. I appreciate it. All right. Thanks, Ariel. All right. There he is, Ricardo Lamas, the bully. Uh, still very much a top 145-pounder and uh, hoping to get on a card sooner rather than later. Okay, uh, let us move along. Uh, UFC 205 is essentially on deck. Uh, There's that card on November 5th, and then it's UFC 205 at MSG again, just six blocks from this very studio. One of the most anticipated cards ever, uh, if not the most anticipated card ever, and one of the top fights on the card is Raquel Pennington versus Misha Tate. I have been looking forward to talking to Misha Tate since before her fight at UFC 196. It has been that long, and so much has happened since then. And now we finally have found her. She is on the phone. Misha, are you there? I'm there. Can you hear me? I can hear you just fine. How are you? Just fine. How are you? I'm doing great. It has been a while. I've been, I've been trying to reach you for, for, for ages, it feels like. So I appreciate you coming on. Yeah, I was off the grid for a little bit there, and I just uh, was doing my own thing and regrouping, and uh, I went to Thailand and got some amazing training in. I also went to Belgium and kind of traveled the world and just took a minute to regroup, I guess. Did you feel like you needed to do that after 200? Yeah, absolutely. You know, it's a lot of push, a lot of um, pressure, and just, you know, life. Life gets in the way sometimes, and you get things going on, and you think you can do the whole juggling act, and Sometimes it's just a lot harder than than it appears, and so I just needed a little time, a little time to myself. And I went out. I went on a road trip too, like after the fight for like um, two and a half weeks. It was just like my, me and my dog, and 
we went all over the place and hiked and just spent time out in the wilderness and it was perfect. It was honestly just what I needed. Do you feel like you have uh, officially moved on from the disappointment of that card or will you only be able to do so once you get back in there and get a win and get back on track? No, I think it was important that I let go of that before I went into a training camp because I didn't want that negativity hanging over my head and dragging me down in my training. Now, you know, I wanted to be positive going into the next, um, the next fight. So I think the time that I took for myself was, you know, it was necessary. And I definitely think that it helped me just kind of, you know, get, get over it, so to speak. I mean, I'm still obviously not happy with the performance. And I think um, it's fair to say that that really isn't me. Um, that night wasn't definitely was by far probably my, my worst showing. And I have a lot more, you know, a lot more to offer than that. So it was, it was an off night. Um, it was a terrible night to have an off night, but it happens. And uh, I'm only human, you know, I'm not perfect. So I went out there and made some mistakes and got caught early. And it is what it is, you know, one loss and one win. Neither one defines me. So I'm still here. I'm not going anywhere anytime soon. And really looking forward to 205. Uh, in hindsight, do you think you came back too soon after winning the belt, the high, you know, such a great victory, the comeback and all that? Do you feel like it was it was too quick of a turnaround? You know, I don't think so. I mean, I've had plenty of uh, quick turnarounds in my career, and it's never been a problem. I just, I think it was just, just one of those things. It's just, you know, you can't predict that. I could have been on a long layoff and still had the same thing happen. You know, sometimes, just like I said, life kind of gets in the way, and you get too many things going and you know, it's, uh, it's, you know, it's not, not an excuse by any means, but it's just what happens sometimes. Sometimes you just get overloaded and you just have so much going on that it's really, um, challenging. And that like, there's no MMA one-on-one course of like how to do it all. You know, you kind of sink or swim and sometimes it gets really hard to swim. And that's just kind of what it was. It's just, just a lot, a lot going on. Have you, have you been able to watch the fight? Um, yeah, I've watched some, um, yeah, I watched the fight once and then I've seen obviously some highlights of it and things like that, but you know, it's, uh, it was a, excuse my language, a shitty performance, so, you know, I'll be brutally honest with myself. It was terrible. Worst performance of my career, but, um, you know, I can't, I can't, uh, leave that looming over my head. You know, I, ha- I know what gives me like satisfaction is I know I'm better than that. I know that that was like a, it was the one time thing that like, I'm never going to let that happen again. And, um, yeah, I mean, it sucks. I don't, I'm not happy about it, but there's only one thing that I can do. It's get back up on the horse and give it another go. So I think you earned a lot of respect, uh, when after the fight, you showed up to the press conference with, with the bloody nose. Um, and you know, for better or worse, people are always going to sort of compare you or talk about you in, the, in, in sort of the same discussion as Ronda Rousey and she didn't show up and you don't like to compare the injuries and all that stuff. But how difficult was it for you to sit there with the ice on your face, having to answer questions and sit next to Amanda, you know, after such a disappointment? That's like, it's terrible. It's like r- rubbing salt in the wound. It's, it's literally like the last place on earth that I wanted to be, to yeah. be quite honest. Like I did not want to go to that press conference at all. And um, it really took a strong support system to get me there and get me through that. 
And I'm just very thankful that my coaches and my management and my friends were all, they all like convinced me to go and say, you know, you got to do this. This is the kind of person you are. You're going to regret it if you don't. I was like, you're right. Like, I don't feel like doing it right now, but in hindsight, I'm still glad that I did. You know, um, I think it was important that I did. So, um, yeah, it was hard though. It was not, not, not the place I wanted to be. That's for sure. I I appreciate as a media member, you going, my heart went out to you. I, 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 I was thinking like, man, she must want to be anywhere in the world than sitting here looking at all of us and answering these questions. So, you know, major, major kudos to you for, for actually doing that. Did you, in fact, break your nose in the fight? Yes, Okay. I did. Did you have to have surgery? No, um, I could have had surgery, but I opted to wait until probably the end of my career because it may not be the last time I break it. So, <laughs> <laughs> You know, you know, in all fairness, I, I may break it again. It's very, pro, you know, probable in the sport. So I think I'm going to wait until it's all said and done and then get it fixed. What was your reaction when they offered you Raquel Pennington? Was she on your radar for your next fight? No, honestly, I really had no idea. I, I kind of, for some reason, was thinking like a Kat Zingano. I was thinking possibly Holly. I was thinking... um Maybe, uh, maybe they would try to push Juliana. Maybe they would try to push Shevchenko. But, but honestly, Raquel really was. I, I don't know why I wasn't thinking about her because, really, I mean, that's a great. It's a, it's a great matchup, and it makes sense. And I feel really honored, honestly, to have that fight because she's. It shows that that the UFC still values like what I, what I have to offer by giving me someone who's on a win streak when I just suffered a loss, you know? So I'm really happy that they didn't give me someone who's on a losing streak. You know, they, they're like giving me someone who's hot and credible right now and beating girls and doing really well, making waves in the division. That's the kind of fights that I want. And, um, you know, I didn't ask for it. I, I just, I told them it doesn't matter who I just would like to get back in there. And they said the first name that came out of their mouth was Raquel. And I said, perfect. Wow. No problem. You coached her on The Ultimate Fighter, right? I did, yes. What's her relationship like with her? Um, we're friends. Um, we were pretty close for a while, and then, you know, she lives far away, so, you know, we haven't stayed in in super close contact, um, you know, over the last six months to, like, year or so. But, um, no, we're still friendly and, like, um, you know, yeah, I, I, I like Raquel a lot. You know, she's a... She's a really cool chick and no hard feelings, but business is business. You know, we, we are in the same weight division and she's, uh, she's the one that's in front of me. So I guess we kind of, I figure we all, we always knew that that was, you know, a, a potential possibility that, that kind of, it could happen at any time. So, you know, we have trained together before, obviously did coach her on the ultimate fighter and, you know, we've had some good heart to hearts and she's been a great support system for me. I've tried to be a great support system for her in, in various points in our career. You know, when she suffered that loss to Holly, I was there that night. We hung out. She's a really great girl. And like when I, lo- when I lost to Rhonda, um, you know, she was there and like, you know, so we've been there intermittently through each other's careers and we kind of get it. But I think at the end of the day, it boils down to, we both have a lot of respect for each other and, um, we are in the same weight division. We, we, we have the same goals. And now is the time when, you know, we meet as friends in combat, sort of. So it doesn't feel weird for you to fight her. You, you, you're you able to separate the friendship from the business. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. I, you know, it, it, it wasn't like I was 
looking for that. I mean, I, I suppose if I could avoid fighting, you know, people that I like and care about, it would be nice. But it's just not realistic at the end of the day to to avoid everyone that I like in the division. So, um, you know, it's it's what it what it comes down to is that we have to fight each other, and and I'm sure we'll be we'll be friends before, we'll be friends after, and and uh, that that's it. As you mentioned, she's on a roll. Are, are you impressed? Do you, do you feel like she's turned into a better fighter than you thought she would turn into? What's your take on how she's fighting as of late? Man, Raquel is, is incredibly tough. She's incredibly durable. And she's strong. She's, she's really, really strong. So, no, I'm, I'm not surprised that she's doing as well as she's doing. Um, I saw a lot of potential in her on The Ultimate Fighter. And, um, you know, I, I know she trains like a beast. You know, we've trained together before. So, no, I, I definitely am not surprised that she's doing as well as she's doing. And I, I would expect it. Um, you know, she had a very, very close a split decision, lost to Holly. And, um, you know, she's been winning ever since. So, and she's doing good things. Are you, are you disappointed that you missed out on the spectacle of that press conference a couple of weeks ago at MSG with uh, all the Connor stuff? And just, I don't know if you saw it, but it was it was rather entertaining. Do you wish that you were sitting up there and a part of it? Um, no, honestly, I was in Thailand training and having the time of my life. So I wouldn't have traded that for anything. I've seen the, the Connor McGregor semantics time and time again. I've <laughs> been on two lead ups with him before. So, you know, I, I know what he's all about. He's hilarious, you know, but, um, no, I was, I was training really hardcore in Thailand and, um, getting some great Muay Thai training in and, um, wouldn't have traded that. No. <laughs> Does it um, does it mean anything to you to be on this card, this MSG card? Like, w- did that add to it? Is this something that you dreamt of? I mean, you hear that from fighters. I know you're not. Oh a, yeah. Yeah. You, okay. You you understand oh, the yeah. significance? I'm, I'm, yeah. The magnitude. I am stoked. I'm beyond like there's there's an interview I did actually with uh, Tracy Lee like a couple years ago, right standing outside of Madison Square Garden, um, and you know she's asking, "Would you ever want to fight here?" I'm like, "Yeah. Like, I, whenever it's legal, I want to be on that card." And I was asking the UFC, can I be on that card? I want to be on, you know, and they were like, oh, it just doesn't look like we have an opening. We're, we're shooting for December. So I was looking at either like the December card in Toronto or the end of the year December card. And um, I was actually like on my way to Thailand. And I flew to Belgium first and visited my best friend, Cindy. And then like we were headed to Thailand and they called me and were like, uh, Madison Square Garden. I'm like, yes, I am there. Put me <laughs> on. Let's go. You know, it, it was kind of a short you know, I mean, a long enough camp, but usually you have more time. It, I, I think I found out maybe seven weeks out, but that's fine. Cause I had been training anyways. I went to Thailand, kicked it up a notch. I'm back here and I feel amazing and, um, incredibly stoked to be a part of this movement in history. I mean, this is just, this is groundbreaking. Like you said, this is one of the most anticipated cards and not only that, but like, it's so cool. Like, MMA is finally legal in New York. How awesome is it going to be to, to set a precedence there in New York for the first time and, and be a part of that magnitude? It's really yes. cool. Yes, it is a huge deal, and, uh, and, and what a card it is. By the way, what's your take, speaking of that card at the end of the year, what's your take on Amanda waiting for Ronda and, and, and Ronda getting the title shot right away, just how it's all playing out when you probably could have waited as well? How do you feel about it all? You know, to each his own. I think um, my personal opinion is that as the as the champion, you don't wait for people. You you uh, step up when when uh, you should. You know, you should stay busy and 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 do whatever. But I mean, 
you know, it's her choice. It's her life. And she's, she's probably uh, being advised to, to wait. And uh, I can't blame the girl, you know, it's going to be a big fight. It's a, it'll be a big money fight, you know, financially, career wise, it probably, you know, makes sense from the political side to wait. But I mean, you got to balance that out. Like, what are you in it for? Are you in it for the money? Or are you in it for like this doing the, you know, quote unquote smart thing? Or are you passionate driven and you want to do what, you know, what like the fighter quote unquote would do. And so you, I mean, it's not wrong either way. It's just, you know, personally what I think is, is to stay busy and, and give uh you know, prove that you're the, the champion, why you're the champion. And, you know, so that's what I think. Um, and as far as Ronda coming back and getting a title shot right away, I mean, that's what it's been built up to be the entire time. So I, I just never saw it any differently. Um, yeah. I mean, it's going to be a, a long layoff can definitely have some, adverse effects on, you know, coming back and getting right back in there and, you know, the best of the best, but I guess we'll kind of see how it all, how it all plays out. Considering, you know, both of them, who, who would you favor in that fight? Man, you know, I feel like there's so many weird variables. Like, um, it's a really, really hard to say because who, who knows what we're going to get out of Rhonda when she comes back? You know, are we, are, if we're getting Rhonda at the best, that she's ever been, then I say Rhonda. But if we're getting Rhonda coming back kind of, you know, with a half-ass mentality, kind of like, oh, I just feel like I have to do this one time, and she's got a lot of ring rust, and maybe she's still punch-shy, and she hasn't fought since Holly, you know. And, and we all saw that, obviously, Amanda has a, an incredible, incredible power between her, you know, on her, in her right hand. Um, so, you know, she, gets, she hits Rhonda with one of those. Like, I could see it being a huge problem for Rhonda. Um, a big, big problem. So it, it's kind of hard to say, honestly. I really just don't know what what we're going to get with with Ronda. I think I think I know what we're going to get with Amanda. I just have no idea what we're going to get with Ronda. Are you surprised that she's remained out of the spotlight for this long? I mean, you've had demoralizing losses and tough losses to handle. Um, more often than not, we've seen you, you know, come back after injuries or whatever. That seems to be the case with most fighters. But it, it's it, it's amazing to me, like, the same thing that happened with Gina Carano seems to be happening with, with Ronda here, where big loss, big stakes, and then out of the spotlight. Yeah. Um, you know, I understand um, that it can be a lot, and it can be overwhelming, and it can be challenging, and and. You know, there's, there's days that I have when I'm like, you know what? I don't want to put up with this anymore. Like, I'm tired of, like, people talking crap on my social media. I'm tired of this. I'm tired of that. I don't want to deal with this anymore. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm done with it, you know? And then I'm like, no, nah, like, I, you know, my heart still just, it's in it. Like, I, I just can't, I cannot bring myself to walk away. Um, but, you know, I don't know. I can't speak for Rhonda. I, I just yeah. think that she's probably fed up with, with a, a lot of different things and she's chosen to go a different route than I would choose to go, you know? So, um, she's just different in the way she wants to handle it. Well, we, we know that clearly. We're obviously very different. That's why we butt heads. <laughs> Can I tell you a fight that I'd really love to see? Misha Tate tell me. versus Chris Cyborg. Yeah. That'd be th- a good one. What do you think of this? Chris can't find anyone to fight anyone of, you know, substance, a name, you know what I'm saying? What do you think? What do you think of yeah. that? Has that been brought to your, your attention has that been ever offered to you no actually it hasn't um you know i've been pretty when i was a champ they told me that that they would not um like the UFC's like we're not going to do ca- a catch weight so either she has to meet you at 135 or like 
you have to not be the champion. But I mean, I suppose now that I'm not the champ, you know, I technically could fight her at uh, 140. You know, I wouldn't be against it. The, the thing is, is like, I just feel like I have nothing to lose in that. Like, you're you're fighting a, a girl that's like such such a powerhouse and such a beast and just crushing girls that like if I went in there and I beat her or even gave her like a solid run for money, like it says a lot, you know? Yes. So I wouldn't be, I wouldn't be um, opposed to doing it, but it's not something that's been discussed. And obviously at this point, you know, I got to focus on, sure, sure, sure. on Raquel. Um, you know, I think she's going to be, she's going to be a tough matchup. You know, she's, she's a lot, a lot tougher than probably a lot of people are going to give credit for. She's definitely hard to, she's hard to put away. She's hard to finish. She's going to be in it to win it the whole time. So I know that um, I'm going to be in for a tough one. And I'm not looking past her, but I give you so much credit for just saying that because I feel like a lot of people miss that point. You have nothing to lose in this fight. Uh, Cyborg is so dominant. It hasn't lost in, in years. Even if you put on a good showing, and I know you're trying to win the fight, the worst case scenario is you get a ton of credit for taking the fight when no one else yeah. is. Best case scenario is you beat Cyborg and then you're the pound for pound queen. Yeah. So I, 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 exactly. I don't understand why more people aren't gunning for the fight, the big names, but um, you know, perhaps they have the well, I might take a couple years off, off my life. That's but. true. <laughs> Maybe you need to get paid a little more for it. Um, yeah, yeah. And I wouldn't blame you for that. Uh, before I let you go, I, I have to ask you about this. A month ago, uh, you were in the news once again, for a, a great act of kindness, you carried, I think it was a five-year-old girl or was it a six-year-old girl? Um, I believe she's six. Six. Uh, how many miles was it? Was it a mile and a half, two miles? Um, it was close. I think between two and a half and three miles. Jeez, Louise. Can, can you tell us the story, if you don't mind, if anyone missed it? It's an unbelievable story. Sure. So I was hiking up Mary Jane Falls, which is um, at Mount Charleston, just outside of Las Vegas. And um, I mean, it's it's a pretty tricky trail. It's uh, got switchbacks and some big rocks and things that you could you slide out on. But anyways, get to the top. And I had heard on the way up people talking about this little girl that had fallen and broken her arm. I noticed her once I got to the top, but she looked like she was being well taken care of. So I just kind of stayed out of it. Um, looked around, enjoyed the sight, started my descent, and um, about you know 30 feet from the top, um, I saw this. Um, it was the mother struggling to try to carry her daughter down, and they were trying to Mickey rig sweaters to kind of create like a sling because so I don't think the mom had the upper body strength to hang on to her and the balance and coordination. So they were trying to jerry rig tie her daughter to her body and i just thought this is going to be really bad because someone's going to lose footing and this little girl's going to go down and she's got a broken arm so i just offered i said hey i'm you know i'm a i just i didn't say who i was but i was like you know i'm a professional athlete and i'm i'm looking for an extra workout anyways i really don't mind i will gladly carry her down if you belong she's like are you sure and i said yes and she turned to the little girl and she said you want her to carry you or you want me to carry you and the little girl looked at me and she's like I want her to carry me. <laughs> it's so cute. I was like, Oh good. So I grabbed her up and carried her down and, um, you know, we made it down safely and she's a little beast, man. She was super tough the whole way down. We had a good conversation. She actually fall, fell asleep at the very, towards the bottom. And what, um, how long did it yeah, take for you to walk asleep? How long did it take for you to get down? Um, almost an hour, about 40, 45 minutes. Okay, so I have a, a four-year-old like boy, a four-and-a-half-year-old boy, um, and it, it's very hard to carry, uh, you know, my son for five minutes. Um, how are you? How are your arms? Your and 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 she's they were smoked, right? I can't imagine. <laughs> my grip, 
my grip was smoked, my traps were smoked, and my back was pretty sore because I could only put, I carried her princess style for a while, and then I just couldn't, um, she, she was uncomfortable with me locking my hands because it was kind of like folding her in half. So I was trying to carry her without my hands locked princess style, but it was getting really tough. So I switched her onto my left hip and carried her that way, but I couldn't put her on my right hip because of her, her broken arm, the way that like I needed it to be um, on the outside, not against me because I didn't want to bump it. So I was only like one side dominant. Wow. And um, so she's not crying as you're, because you're not just walking down the street, you're going down a hill. She was nervous a couple times, but we, I, you know, I told her, I was like, Hey, if you're strong for me, I'll be strong for you. We, you know, I'm not going to fall. I got you. And, and, um, so, you know, we both agreed to be strong for each other and, you know, she was, and there's a couple of times when she started to get a little bit emotional, but we just were like, Hey, you know, we're, we're getting there. You got to be strong. And, and, um, and she was, you know, she, she did a really good job and she's just incredibly sweet. And, and, uh, you know, it, I think I got more out of it, honestly, than anybody else did. Cause it was a good conversation all the way down. She was super sweet and it was just inspirational. Cause she's just this, this little girl and she trusted me, me to deliver her down a mountain, you know, and she has a broken arm and she just was, um, really upbeat considering the, the situation. So she was good company. Have you heard from her <laughs> since? Yeah, I have. She posted a video or her mom did on Instagram saying, you know, the little girl saying, thank you, Misha, for carrying me down the mountain. And that was very sweet. And, um, we've been in contact a little bit here and there. I know she had her cast and, um, she's getting it off here pretty soon. So yeah, we've been in contact. Well, that is beautiful. Well done. Um, I mean, that is just amazing you. what you did. Uh, more important than any victory, anything in the cage. Really, truly respect you for doing that. That that is, it was amazing to read that. And uh, I, I, wow, I give you a lot of credit. Well done, Misha. Um, again, thank you so much thank for coming you. on the show. And uh, good luck on November 12th. This is going to be a lot of fun. Can't wait for it. What a scene it's going to be at MSG. What a great fight that is. So uh, I wish you the best in the next month of training. And, and we'll see you over there in New York City. All right. Thanks, Ariel. All right. Talk to you soon. There she is, Misha Tate, joining us. What a beautiful story that is. If you did not hear about it, read about it, uh, just type in Misha Tate and young girl on uh, Google News and it will come up. Tons of articles, beautiful stuff. What an amazing act of kindness that is for Misha Tate. And she's done that before, helping out Brian Carraway, her boyfriend's mother. I mean, great person. So, Uh, Looking forward to having her back and looking forward to that fight very much. Okay, let us move along. One of the big fights and fighters, big names on that now ill-fated Manila card was, is the Black Beast, Derek Lewis. What a story this is, because I do believe he was in the Philippines when he found out that the card was canceled. So I had to talk to him about it. Always love talking to Derek Lewis, and I do believe he is joining us via the magic of Skype. There he is. <laughs> Derek Lewis joining us right now. <laughs> How are you, my man? I'm horrible, man. How are you doing? Oh, no. Why are you horrible? I have a guess. No, I like to say that just to see if people care about me. <laughs> well, appreciate it. <laughs> it's funny. <laughs> Because sometimes people, you'll, you'll say you're horrible, and then they'll be like, okay, good to hear, and then they'll walk away because they're not even yeah, listening. Yeah, sure. That's how it goes. <laughs> Are you really horrible? No, I'm good. I'm feeling good. Oh. Everything's going well. Uh, is it true that you were in the Philippines when you found out that the card was canceled? Yes, I was there. Oh, my gosh. Uh, I was there for like a week okay. before they noticed, noticed finally. Why'd you go out so early? 
Um, they get used to the time difference. You know, it's thirteen hour difference from here in Houston. So I just wanted to um, get myself, my body ready, situated like that. You know, and check out the beautiful women. <laughs> how, how are they? Um, they were small. <laughs> you know, stepped on a few of them, but they are. Uh, you know, I recall when you fought in Croatia, you said you, you do not like to travel. You did not enjoy being over there. Um, did you enjoy the experience of going to Philippines a little more? Yeah, it was nice. You know, everyone was friendly. You know, they they wasn't all like shell shocked like it was their first time seeing a black guy. And so it was. they made it comfortable for me. So I don't mind going back over there. But Croatia is a different story. Wow. Um not a lot of people who are your size over there, right? I mean, you must have. <laughs> you no. Must have... <laughs> I know I was like Godzilla to them. Yeah. So, you know, they like that type of stuff. So, yeah. Okay. So you go there. Are you, you're not alone, obviously. You have your coaches there with you? Yeah. I was one of my other coaches, um, Larry. He's a black guy, too. So, oh, perfect. You know, we just, yeah. When you fit in pretty well. <laughs> when you, like when do you start to catch wind that the card might be in jeopardy? Uh, I didn't. They woke me out of my sleep, and I had like five missed calls from my manager, and he told me that he got bad news. I thought my opponent got hurt or something like that, and he went ahead and broke it down to me and said the whole card got canceled, and I was just pissed. And I said, they still going to pay me? And he said, he don't know. We're going to um, talk about it this week. And I said, ain't no talking about it. Who, I'm, let me call Dana White or somebody. They need to pay me because I already don't like flying. I'm making them come all the way over here for nothing. Right. So? And so. Are they going to pay So you? we're still waiting. We're still waiting. So I don't want to hurt nobody, you know? <laughs> what? what we ain't paying my money. What's an acceptable amount? Because they said that you guys will be compensated, but it was a little vague. I don't like that compensated stuff. So I'm thinking they're going to just try to pay me for um, the little taxi cab ride that I had to spend on going to the hotel and probably a little plane tickets. I, that's not enough. You know, I cut a lot of weight. You know, I cut up like 30 pounds for this fight. Wow. For real? You know? I was hurting, man. You know, I wanted to eat. I wanted some chicken. You know, I couldn't eat. So, you know, I was suffering. <laughs> so, what's acceptable? You want your show money? You want your show and win? What- yeah, I want my show money. Just give me at least half of it. Yeah. You know, that's what I want. I'll be satisfied. Then. Are you confident that you're going to get it? Yeah, either I'm going to get it, or either they're going to hand it to me in my hand, or... Somebody will have to pay for it. So you're comfortable calling up Dana White and asking for it, right? Yeah, I'll call him. Do you have that kind of relationship with him? No, I don't got him. I, my manager, I make somebody give me his number. I, either I'm going to call him or I'm going to show up at his doorstep. Either one. Somebody's going to pay me. Um, were there a lot of other fighters on the card that were already in the Philippines you saw there? No, nah, nobody was there. It was just me. Man, I couldn't believe that. I was thinking of that because I first when you were announced on the card, I was like, "Oh wow, they're sending Derek Lewis to the Philippines." And let's be honest, not the highest profile fight that you've had. It, it, it was a bit of a strange booking, wasn't it? Yeah, it was real strange. You know, so uh, I was like, um, "They wanted." I told them my fight with Doom. Yeah, and they wanted to negotiate, but they wasn't going to give me the type of money that I needed to um, needed to have to fight Doom. and so. 
I say I'll fight Travis Brown. But like before Travis Brown had came up, before Wardoon came out, I say I'll fight Travis Brown. They didn't want to give me Travis Brown. Then I saw him I fight Wardoon. And so they tried to renegotiate and they didn't come out with a good enough um good amount of money. So we just told him no. Then they came up with this guy out of the blue and they offered me more money than what they was gonna offer me for Wardoon. Um, so I'm like Okay, I'll take it. <laughs> I don't know why they don't want to give me that amount of money to fight with Doom. Yeah. So it was fun. This was on the uh, the 203 card in Cleveland, right? Yes. You wanted to fight on that card? Yeah, I wanted to fight. And they said no. So do you think it's possible? I mean, you're not going to get Verdum because it seems like he's fighting Kane. Are they going to just book you against the same guy? Yeah, that's what my manager said. They're going to book me against the same guy. It really don't matter. I just want... A good profile fight, really. But if I have to fight this guy to get there, then I fight him. Um, so why did you decide to go? So, I mean, I know that you, you, you said you were getting acclimated, but for a guy who hates to travel and there was no one else there yet, were you the one who had this idea to go early or was it your coach who said to go there that early? Because it's amazing to me that you were the only one that was there. <laughs> no, I wanted to go early. It, it was my idea. Okay. You know, um, it was just one of them days that I pulled myself up to um, go ahead and get on this plane. You know, I hate flying, so I, it was just one of them days I was feeling good, so I'll just go ahead and hurry up and jump on the plane before I want to change my mind about the whole thing. Wait, so it was, a, it was a spur of the moment type of thing? Yeah. You didn't have your plane ticket booked? No, we did it that same day. Oh, wow. <laughs> yeah. Um, and when you found out that it was canceled, how long did you stay for? Um, I left this, that actually that night. Wow. I flew out that night. Was it like, what was that like? You, you fly all the way there, you're getting ready to fight and you're going back on the plane, no fight, no money, no nothing. Yeah. And it was, it was crazy. You know, um, the people at the hotel, they was all sad that we was leaving, <laughs> but really they were just mad because they were losing money, but it's all good though. But yeah, it was just a crazy experience. I never experienced nothing like that before. Were you pissed off? Yeah, I was pissed off. Then I get to the airport, then the airport is so small and nasty looking, and I don't know. Yeah, I was just pissed off. Are you, are you done with these international fights for now? Yeah, either if I want to fight in Brazil, because I heard the Brazilian women are a little <laughs> freaky out there. I want to see what that's like. Oh, you see, you want to fight in Brazil. So. A lot of people don't want to fight in Brazil, but you want that. Yeah, I heard about the taxes and all that, but I heard the women out there cheat. Okay. So we see. <laughs> Wait, if you don't mind me asking, aren't you married? No, I'm not married. Oh, you're not, but you have kids. Yeah, I have kids. You're a single father. Yes. Do your, do your kids live with you? Yes. Okay. How many do you have? I have two boys and one girl. Wow. So who takes care of your kids when you're away? Oh, my mother-in-law, my ex-mother-in-law. Wow, that's interesting. Not your, not your, your ex-wife. No, we never, we was never married. It was just, you know, one of them things. So, man, I don't want to talk about okay. that. Man, I'm not married. Man. Okay. <laughs> it's just very interesting. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. So, uh, are, are you? So, because what I heard was that Verdum didn't really want the fight against you. He preferred the brown fight. It, it had nothing to do with that. It had to do with the the money that they were offering you or not offering you. Oh, I didn't know. I didn't know that. I didn't know that he turned down the fight. I just thought maybe they they didn't want to offer me enough money, and I, so I thought you my manager had just okay. But it doesn't make a lot of sense, right? I mean, 
they offering you more to fight another guy than what they were going to offer. Yeah. So you know what I mean? Yeah, for sure. I guess that was just one of their ways, um, like, like basically telling me we're doing don't want to fight me. Sure, which right. they already knew he was going to offer, or ask for more money than what I was making. So I was making three and three before, and we was trying to get more than that. Three and three. And what do you mean three? Thirty-three, thirty-three. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and, and now you have a new deal, right? Yes. Are you happy with it? Yeah, I'm happy with it. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. You know. How many fights you signed for? Four. Okay, so now you you haven't you haven't done any fights on the the contract yet, right? I haven't. Okay. I haven't. Um. So if you don't get this guy again, Marcin Tybura, who do you want? Like, what's the perfect scenario for you? Um, if I can get Overeem or um, Mark Hunt, even the guys that are under me, it don't matter. I I would like to fight either one of them, Travis Brown or Doom. Go ahead and give him a title shot. Um, it don't matter. <laughs> <laughs> that gets you a little more excited, right? Yeah. Did you? Yeah, for sure. Had you ever heard well, of Marcin? I'll take him more serious. Have you ever heard of Marcin before? Before you were offered him? I haven't heard of him. It was, I don't really know how to say his name. A lot of people <laughs> ask me, who are you fighting? I say some Poland guy. <laughs> his name, some, somebody from Poland. No disrespect to him, but I was surprised that you went from Roy Nelson, like a very big name to him. Yeah. So it was, I didn't care. They gave me the um, new deal. So I was like, okay, I'm going to take this fight on a new deal. Uh-huh. You know, more money. And so I'm going to go ahead and try to take the fight serious. But it was real hard for me to take it serious. And then you have to go all the way to the Philippines and the fight. I mean, what a mess this whole situation is. Yeah. What does that hat mean? Sure. What does Make America Trilligan mean? You know, Donald Trump. You know, Make America Great Again. Make America Trilligan. You know, it's a Houston thing. Trill means what exactly? It's mean like, um, like good, like real. Oh, okay. Like, yeah. Are you a Trump guy? Yeah, I'm a Trump guy. What? This is a shocker yeah. of all shockers. You're you're voting for Come Donald on, Trump. Stop being racist, man. What? <laughs> <laughs> you, so you're going to vote for Trump? If you don't mind me asking. Yeah, I'm going to vote for Trump. Why do you yeah, like him? Because um, you know, I don't need my taxes going any higher, man. I believe Trump going to lower the tax the tax <laughs> a little easy on him. They hurt me this year. Oh, okay. What about this locker room talk? I mean, are you offended by this? No, he's saying stuff I used to say in high school. <laughs> ain't nothing new. Yeah, but he's like 50 years old. He's not in high school. Yeah, I'll, I'll talk like that now. Okay. <laughs> That's the thing to do. Girls like that stuff. I don't know about that. Um, did you watch the debate? <laughs> no, I didn't watch it. I was doing something else. Okay. What were you doing? Can't tell you that. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, did you watch the uh, Miocic Overeem fight? No, I didn't watch it. You didn't I watch was, it? Um, no. My manager told me about it. He was saying it's pretty good. The 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 Verdun Brown fight was a crazy one. Did you see that? What happened? Yeah, it was, with the kicks, yeah, it was and the coaches, crazy. and all that. Yeah. It was good. You know, I still feel like I would have did a better performance. It would have been a better fight if right. I would have fought with them. Do you still do you get do you still get hate from your people in um in uh in Houston when you were wearing that Atlanta Braves hat? Yeah, they do. Yeah, that, that was. Yeah, they still hate I mean, on me, but it's all good, though. You know, if I'm being we honest, we still didn't make the playoffs. I know you didn't. It was great. I was happy. And how about the? Are you a Texas Rangers fan? 
No. No, okay. Yeah. Everything Houston. I'm all Houston. All right. H Town. How are the Rockets going to do? Yeah, they're doing pretty good right now. Well, it's preseason. Come on, man. We can't talk about it. Yeah, still. I said, how are they going to do? Not, are they doing well? Or yeah, you know, um, I believe we're going to go deep in the playoffs this year. You know, we got a better team than we did last year, and I'm glad we got rid of Dwight Howard so fast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Have you ever talked? Have you had a chance to talk? <laughs> he goes to all the UFC events. He was there. Where was he? Was he at 202? Yeah, he was in Atlanta. We were sitting next to each other. Oh, did you say you anything know? to him? Huh? Did you say anything to him? No, I didn't say nothing to him. You know, he went and tried to shake my hand. I just gave him my back. <laughs> I act like I found some girl behind me. Yeah, because I remember you telling me, I don't know if it was before that card or after the card, that you said you were going to say something to him. If you saw him. Yeah. So why didn't you? No, I'm excited. Just finished talking to Dana White. He just introduced me to the new owners. Oh, okay. And so I just want to um, be respectful to them. <laughs> what, what, do you, what do you think of the new owners? Yeah, it's seemed pretty good. You know, we see what they're talking about with their money, see how much money they're going to dish out. Then, I, then we're going to do another interview a few months from now. <laughs> I'll let you know. <laughs> Fair enough. Do you see all these new celebrities who are investing in the UFC now? This is crazy. Yeah, I didn't think that was real. It's real. But I guess that's pretty good. Let's see if they start throwing that money then. That's right. You know? That's right. Everybody, all these billionaires, millionaires, you know, we sitting up sitting around making Trump change for Conor McGregor and Nate Diaz and whatever the name is, making all the millions now. Yeah. You deserve we, some of that. And we just making gas money. It's not right. Yeah. Make the UFC so trail again, see. is what the hat should say. Uh, or how about Thank you. I'm making one. I'm making a hat like that. Or, or forget about the again. Just how about make the UFC trail? Can't be again if it never was, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. I'm glad they cleaned it up, though. It looked a lot better on TV, you know, everybody in um, the Reeboks uniform. You know, at first it just looked trash. You know, all the different logos, different colors. Oh. I, I like Reebok, the Reebok um, uniform. You like them? Yeah. It looks cleaner on TV when you're watching it. Uh, how, about, how about the sponsorship money that you're not getting? Yeah, I don't like that, but... It looks good. You know, I wasn't making that much money on sponsorships anyway. True, true. It had gone down. What about that car ride that you were involved with Amanda Nunes and Juliana Pena? We already talked about that. Why are you going to bring that up? <laughs> because you didn't, tell me, you didn't tell me what really happened last time, so I was wondering if you forgot that I, I asked forgot, you about it. <laughs> I had a beer now. I'm not thinking right. I don't know what happened. I don't know. You know, one of the you, you, actually your manager told me that all his football clients they all come up to him and want to talk about you. All the football players they all want to talk about you. Like you're the next big thing. You're the one that all the athletes are talking about. Do you get that? Nah, I don't get it. It's my bank account don't say it. That's so right. I don't think so. You don't care about that. No, nah, I don't care about it. All right. Well, I hope it changes for you. I'm I'm sorry that this yeah, this, me whole, too. this whole thing happened. It's crazy. I, I really felt for you. That's why I called up your. I, I I mean I couldn't believe that you were actually there. I thought you hadn't left yet. Like <laughs> it's just amazing to me. Yeah, you know you can um, send a check or uh, money order. You know if you feel that bad for me. <laughs> I don't know if I feel that bad. Uh, for me. <laughs> why couldn't they have just put you in the main event? I mean I feel like you're a big enough deal. Yeah, I, yeah, for sure. You know um, I couldn't have went five rounds. Oh, well, you know, just do a main event three rounds. It wasn't going to go that long anyway. Yeah, it wasn't going to go that long for sure. I was, in this fight right here, I was planning on, like, emptying him out gas tank in the first round, even if I have to, I wanted to finish him. Mm-hmm. So I just wanted to make a statement from 
my last fight fighting Roy. Yeah. You know, I just wanted to come out more aggressive, you know. Did you see what happened with Roy and the and the referee Big John McCarthy a couple weeks ago? Yeah, that was it. And it wasn't even a, a late stoppage. Right. You know, I don't believe it was a late stoppage. And to me, I don't care if we friends or not. I'm going to keep going. I'm going to even hit, hit you one last time, even whenever the referee breaking us up. So I, don't, I really don't even like the referee breaking up an early fight for me. So <laughs> I don't care who they are. I don't care if I shook your hand backstage just before we fought. Right. I'm still trying to hurt you. So you thought his behavior was unacceptable? Yeah, it was stupid. You think he should get It wasn't even an early stop. Right, right, right. You think he should get punished? Of course he need to get punished. <laughs> so you're talking all the shit about me? Yeah, get punished. What, Bury his ass. <laughs> what about those videos you post on Twitter? Is that you? Are you the one making them or are you taking them from somewhere else? I told you that Adam Sandler doing all that. What do you mean? That's, I don't have a Twitter. That's Adam Sandler. Oh, that's on you your Twitter? Twitter. <laughs> no. The one of the one that you did with DC and Kane with the music, the Let's Get It On, I mean, that stuff is brilliant. Yeah, I had to edit that last part out because you know you can't say gay and stuff like that. Okay, okay. People get offended. Right, right, people get offended. Well, it's amazing. What 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 a character you've become. One of my favorites in the UFC. You're doing great stuff. Even though you're not <laughs> even though you're you're not fighting and you you we're not gonna get to I was really looking forward to this fight and getting to see you in action, but I'm sorry. I do appreciate you coming on to talk about it. Derek, anything else we want to cover before we say goodbye? Um, they said something about December. I might be getting on that New York card, so we'll see. Oh, Albany. I don't even want to wait that long. That's too far away. Yeah, yeah. In Albany. Yeah. Okay. Against the Polish guy. Yeah, that's what he said. So maybe something better come up. So we'll see. All right. Well, good luck, and uh, we'll talk to you very soon. Thanks for coming on. I uh, appreciate it. Thanks for having me. All right. There he is, Derek Lewis. Always a pleasure to talk to the Black Beast. Uh, what an entertaining guy he is. Amazing stuff there. Okay, let us move along. Speaking of New York, New York's own Chris Weidman is on the phone. How about this? Chris, are you there? Yo, what's up, buddy? Hey, Chris. Long time no speak. How are you? Uh, I'm good, man. How are you? Where are you driving off to? Oh, you can hear me driving? Yeah, I'm, I uh, just got done getting some wrestling in, and now I'm heading to uh, uh, get some physical therapy, just normal stuff. Okay. And uh, I got another workout later. There's a lot to talk to you about, Chris. Let's start here. Were you prepared, if things didn't work out with the UFC, to not fight on the MSG card? Would you have been able to, to, to handle that? Uh, yeah. You know, I was, I was definitely prepared. Uh, it would have sucked uh, to, to watch that after everything uh, that, that I've been through to help get that thing uh, to get it legalized. And I just have to watch everybody else kind of enjoying him. Uh, you know, it's been a dream, dream of mine to be able to finally fight in New York. And if I just had to sit on the sideline, it would have sucked. But it was definitely fun. Um, I had to, you know, I had to stay strong with him. How, how close did it get to not being a reality? Um, I don't know, man. Uh, it was getting kind of close. I mean, I, I got, I mean, I pretty much, we came to terms pretty much the day before uh, the press conference, so. I don't think, I don't know if it would have been a, something that would have happened if I what, didn't show up to that press conference. If so you, uh, I'm glad that we got it done before. Can you tell us about how you got it done? I mean, yeah, I mean, uh, I know um, 
Loren, uh, Dana came out and, and, yeah. and told people about, you know, me meeting with Lorenzo and stuff. So, yeah, I mean, basically, I, uh, first I met with Dana uh, for a while. Had a long, nice long dinner in New York City, and then um, we, uh, we, and I ended up, <laughs> ended up being that uh, he wanted me to talk to Lorenzo after the dinner, so then I flew to Vegas. That was on Monday, so the day before the press conference, still not knowing what was going to happen. Flew to Vegas, and I was at, uh, I ended up going to Lorenzo's house, which is ridiculous. <laughs> and uh, I hung out with him and talked to him for about two hours, and I had to jump back on a plane that was scheduled uh, right at that, heading back. And then Tuesday was the day of the press conference, so I finally woke up like at, woke up at like 1 o'clock the next day because I had no sleep for two days straight. Wait, so when and, you... Uh, went to the press conference. When you say it's ridiculous, what's ridiculous? The house or the fact that you met with Lorenzo? Oh no, the house. Oh, okay. Sixty-five thousand square foot feet, not including the basement. I mean, the guy—he's doing great. He's doing great for himself. Yes, <laughs> clearly. But what about the fact that you had to yeah. meet with the ex-owner? Like he has nothing to do with the company anymore. Why do you have to meet with him? You know, it was one of those things where it, it, Lorenzo was kind of my guy that I was in touch with before he left, and so me and Dana we were close to getting the deal done. But then he felt like it was something that the right thing to do would be between me and Lorenzo and not me and him. And, uh, I mean, I was just like, well, he doesn't own the company anymore. But Dana's point was that whatever Lorenzo is going to say, you know, it's going to it's gonna be. I mean, so whatever Lorenzo thought was fair is something that Dana would respect as, you know, the new okay. owner of the UFC. them being close best friends for how many years, so it didn't matter. Um, it was definitely something I didn't expect to happen, but... But it ended up happening, and we ended up figuring everything out. So he was kind of like a mediator, like an arbitrator, sort of. Kind of, yeah. Wow, that's amazing. Definitely, definitely different, yeah. It was an interesting experience, but uh, we, we got it done, man. It was a stressful couple of weeks, for sure. What's 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 he like? And I mean, no one's heard from him. Is he just kind of like sitting there eating uh, grapes and having pina coladas, living the life after selling the company? Yeah, he's, um, I think he's kind of hanging out. I don't want to start talking about his personal life. You know, I don't want to, you know, you don't mess with a billionaire. Sure, you know, sure. I don't want to, <laughs> yeah, no, I don't want to, yeah, he's, he's enjoying life, man. He's sold, and I think he's just enjoying his family for a little bit. Okay, so they offer you Yoel Romero. Um, I said that I thought this was the only fight to make. This is the fight that made the most sense. If you win this fight, I envision this scene of everyone chanting USA, USA, Weidman, New York, New York. I mean, this is a fight to propel you into that, you know, into that title shot again, into that discussion. Do you feel the same way? Is this the best case scenario for you? Uh, why do you Why do you feel like that? Uh, as opposed to Jacare, um or Rocco, why do you feel like he was the best fight? Okay. Uh, and why do you feel like people would be chanting USA, USA? Uh, him, as opposed to everyone. Okay, I think you know the answer to this question. I, I, I interview, I interview yeah. people around you. Okay? That's, that's cool. Um, you all Romero. That's how you handle that. You all <laughs> Romero is a very polarizing figure in the sport. He is somewhat maligned. What do you mean by that? Uh, I mean he has uh, a controversial past. He uh, was suspended for six months by USADA. He has the incident with um, with Tim Kennedy not that long ago, and I think that you know he has the the post fight interview, the Machida fight, and all that stuff. You are the quintessential babyface. You are fighting in New York. You're the guy who lobbied. 
uh, and went to Albany countless times to make this happen. The last time we saw you was in the title fight. This is your rebound fight. Uh, I think very few people are going to be cheering for you all, considering you're the New York guy and you're very well liked around these parts and what you did to get the sport legalized here. Uh, I think that because people have an emotional connection to you, but also towards him, as opposed to a Jacare, who they respect, but don't have that same kind of feelings towards, I think it's going to erupt into something. connection towards him because he failed the drug test and the, because the stool game issue with Tim Kennedy? Yes, yes. Okay. I just want to make sure we're clear on what you're saying. Well, so I the mean, audience knows what, you, what you, you're trying to get across. I want to make sure that the articles, the headlines of articles, <laughs> are saying what Ariel said, not what Chris said. I love well, I'm not the... Uh, I'm Ariel, not th- Ariel said that Joe Romero, polarizing figure because he failed yes. <laughs> the drug test. Well, polar- because he did the stool game thing. Now, important to note, uh, Chris... As we're playing and this I can't game, wait. Malky's going to call you. Malky's going to call you a piss now. I hope he no. feels uh, It's important to note, though, that he was somewhat exonerated because they found out that his supplements were tainted. Now I still oh, feel. Look at this. Come I still on. feel. Come on. No, I still Take feel. I still feel like you you deserve something. You know, tainted or not, you're putting in your body. Do you think that he's that he's taking PEDs? Do you think he's on PEDs? Do you agree with what I said? That's the- that's the Ariel I know. You came, you, you came off a little soft. That's the, that's the instigator Ariel I know. That's what I'm, I'm proud of you, boy. Well, I'm, fe- uh, I'm sensing some tension yeah. here, Chris. What's going on? What's happening between us? I'm just, bust- I just, lo- no, I'm busting your balls. Right. You're getting tight. You're getting a little tight. <laughs> I like it. <laughs> um, so I think, listen, man, I'm, I'm on the same page as you. I think once you, once you have PDs in your system. To be honest with you, I think any time that you put PDs in your system, I, I, I think you should be suspended forever. And now you have this whole thing where it's tainted supplements, which honestly I'm not sold on. I feel like every time someone fails a drug test, the first thing they go to is that, oh, I was taking this and it was tainted. I mean, it doesn't take too much time to be like, oh, wait, I failed for testosterone or whatever it is. And, okay, let me find another, let me take, let me find a supplement inside GNC that people might feel. Uh, is not a big deal to take to make me to, to, to let them be a little bit more lenient with their sentence on me. And then when you bring it up in news, it's like, oh, he took a tainted supplement. I, I'm not sold that there really are these tainted supplements out there. I feel like I feel like if you're taking stuff that's that's like legit, like protein and uh, like a, like a creatine, and it's not from like a weird thing that says you know testosterone booster and all this stuff. I just don't. I don't. I don't believe that you're failing a drug test. I, I feel like people are crapping their pants now because every time someone fails a drug test, they're saying that it's a tainted supplement. So now everybody's scared to take a supplement. But I, I, I don't even think that's real. Hmm. Okay. So you, you, this is. I mean, you're a guy who's talked about this sort of thing with Vitor, and throughout your career. Yeah. Is this is this a personal fight for you? Um, it's personal because I mean, the guy. He's a, he's a gifted athlete. Uh, you know, he just failed for steroids, um, and um, this is this is a, this is the biggest fight of my life. I mean, I'm fighting Madison Square Garden. Um, I, I feel like I will probably get the title fight. I go out there and, and do my thing the way I feel like I should. Um, get a title fight and get right back on track. So this is this is a huge fight, and uh, I have no emotional connection. I, I don't like when people take steroids and cheat, especially when you're walking through a cage. I, it really pisses me off. Um, and then when you have all these excuses and, and people start feeling bad for you, I just, I just don't buy it. And, um, yeah, I got either way, either way. I mean, 
the thing is, I started like going crazy of these guys are taking steroids now. But it, I, I was I was in the sport pre-Uzada, and I was naive to the idea that all these guys weren't taking steroids, and now all these guys are getting caught for it. So at the end of the day, I was fighting guys who were on steroids even before this, and now guys are just getting caught for it. So hmm. um, I don't know if I'm making any sense. You make you make a ton of sense. Uh, you watched UFC 204 on Saturday, right? Yes, I did. Who did you? I, I, I missed. A, I missed. I saw the. I got in for the uh, second round of Vitor, so I missed the whole first round of Vitor Musashi, and then I saw the Bisping fight. Who did you score Bisping the main event for? I scored it for Henderson. I thought Henderson won the first round. Ten eight. Maybe ten eight. I thought. I, I thought it could have been a ten eight. I would have liked to. I think. At least one of the judges should have given it a 10-8. I don't even know why that wasn't even a thought. And then um, second round, I thought he won. Yes, he was getting pitter-pattered for the most of the rounds, but he almost finished the fight again in the second round. Dropped him again. So I think if you almost finish in the fight, you win the round. I don't care how long you weren't, you were losing the round. He was never in danger in the second round, so I thought he won that round. And then I also thought he won the fifth round. So I, if, if you were to give it a 10-8 round in the first round, give him the second round, uh, and then the fifth round, I mean, he completely dominated the fight. And, and I want to be, make it very clear. This thing, I mean, the guy has talked, he always does, uh, he's put down everything I've ever done in my career. The guy has squashed me, everything I've ever accomplished. And I really don't have any ill will towards the guy. I see him with his family. I think when his kids are rooting against him, I think it's hysterical. He actually seems like a, a humble guy uh, when you, you kind of see him around his family. And then he comes out mouthing off um, about me and other guys, it uh, it doesn't bother me at all. He can say whatever he wants. I think I don't think he's a, I don't think he's a bad guy. The guy doesn't that guy doesn't you know bother me at all. Um, shoot, I just went the wrong direction. <laughs> um, um, yeah. So yeah, but I thought I thought Henderson it would have been nice to see the guy go out with that championship belt. It was amazing to watch. But but for you in the division, isn't this the the better case scenario? Because now Bisping keeps the belt; it's not vacated, and you versus him is kind of like a rivalry that's been brewing. So that's a big fight for the belt. Don't you feel like this is better for you that he won? Yeah, you know it could have been, but you never know what happens. So I don't, I don't, I, I was kind of Henderson with his story. You got you got Bisping who was calling him an old old man and just stopped. And, I'm gonna kick your ass, and I just—I don't know—kind of rubbed me the wrong way a little bit with that talking to Henderson, and to see Henderson go out there—the only weapon he really has at this point is 46 years old, just that right hand, and Bisping couldn't figure out a way to stay out of out of the way of it. And it was just—it was crazy to watch. It was amazing. Like, I mean, uh, I, I was happy, I was happy for Dan Henderson. The, 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 and then it was a five-round fight, and he was still going. I, was, I thought he won the fifth round. Yeah. And Henderson, we. I, there was no way in my mind I thought I could see him all five rounds. If you watch his last couple of fights, I mean, his age was showing, you know, for sure. And, um, yeah, so it was it was a, a chilling moment for sure, to, to see him accomplish all that, to see, you know, what he was doing to the, to the middleweight champion of the world. So when you're on the couch watching this, I'm assuming you're on your couch watching this or maybe in your bed, whatever, um, and Bisping gets on the mic and starts talking about you and running down the whole division, you just kind of laugh it off? You don't get fired up at home about this? No. I mean, <laughs> I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say this. I'm going to say that guy probably had that in his head before the fight and, and told himself, all right, I'm, after I dominate Dan Henderson, I'm going to get on the mic and call out all these four guys and say these certain things about him. 
and it's going to look really cool, and it's going to look good. But the guy, you, he shouldn't have done that when he barely beat the number 14 guy in the, in the weight. And Dan Henderson, he's 14th because he's a legend and everything he's accomplished before that. But in the last couple of fights, I mean, I really don't know if he should be ranked 14th. And for him to get on the mic and start calling out the top four guys like he just did something impressive, I really thought Dan Henderson should have got his hand raised. So for him to get on the mic, I was, again, I was embarrassed. I was embarrassed for him. But no, it didn't bother. He could say my name a billion times and, and call me all the names he wants. That guy, no matter what comes out of his mouth, does not affect me. Is it, is it still somewhat surreal that he's the champion? Um, yeah, I kind of got used to it. it. It was kind of weird to be seeing that these guys fighting and that's for the championship belt and that was the champion, the middleweight champion in my weight class um, out there. And he's, he's, he just, he's struggling. I mean, the guy, it wasn't an impressive performance at all. I mean, he wanted to go out there and, and really uh, show that he's the true champion of the middleweight division. And he got the fight he wanted, um, which was crazy that he got that fight. And then that, and that's the way he came up. That's the way he looked. I mean, it was, yeah, it was a little embarrassing, for sure. Um, were you told when you were negotiating and talking about your fight that if you beat UL, you're going to be next in line? You know, and no. I mean, I, I feel like I... I would, but it doesn't matter if they told me or not. It, it's just uh, I, I gotta go out there and win, and then whatever happens after that happens. So, do you, do you kind of view it like there's like a mini tournament, like whoever looks best is gonna get the title shot? I, I yeah, worst case scenario, yeah. So I just gotta go out there and dominate you all, and uh, and I think the rest will happen uh, on its own. And. You know, whatever. I can't. I can't the peace. Listen, if I gotta win three more fights to get a title shot, will I be pissed about it? Yeah, but it, it, listen, it is what it is. I, I gotta just go out there and fight and uh, show everybody uh, what I got. So that's that's really that's really cool. Go out there and have fun and, and beat people up and get back to winning. You know? Who do you think wins, Luke or Jacare? You know, I, if you watch the first fight, it was. At that point, Jacare was just kind of more of a jiu-jitsu guy. Um, had power on his hands, but I don't think he was really confident with it. Um, and he still he still rattled Luke's bell a couple times in that fight. Uh, but his thing was definitely jiu-jitsu, you know. And um, now I feel like he's a more well-rounded guy. Luke got way better as well. He got better stand-up, better jiu-jitsu, better wrestling. But um, I feel like... Luke coming off of a knockout loss to Michael Bisping is not the best for your head. Um, and now you got Jock right who just walked, watched him get knocked out by Mr. Pillow Hands himself. Couldn't couldn't save Dan Henderson, who listen, I I, I love Dan Henderson to death, but he was was knocked out. I think it was, he was stopped four of his last six fights or something like that. Uh, right? I, I don't know the stats completely, but he's been knocked out a couple times, and uh, Bisping couldn't couldn't do anything to him. Um, so I think Jacare wants to get his hands on him and then that'll open up his jiu-jitsu and his wrestling way more so I'm leaning towards thinking Jacare will win this fight alright um, what was it like being at that press conference with all the fans and Connor doing his thing and you were getting some questions but it, it kind of felt like okay those two guys it really was sort of the Connor show again do you like that do you like being a part of that or do you wish that the love was spread out a little more I mean, you always want more love. I mean, that's just part of human nature. But no, I, I had a great time at that press conference. I felt 
I felt the love. I loved the energy that the new people brought. I was so excited to finally have MMA in New York. And uh, no, zero jealousy or anything like that with Connor. It was, it's great to have him on the card. It's going to be watching. And um, it was exciting. To, it was just, honestly just exciting. It was a really exciting press conference. The way they, they kind of had us all um, you know, behind the yes. curtain. And they pulled up. And then we are. It was a really exciting Do we lose Chris? We have lost. Oh, are you back, Chris? Are you there? I'm here. Yeah, yeah. Sorry about that. Yeah, the uh, the reveal of all you guys standing up and and the curtains come up. One of the greatest non cage moments in UFC history. It was just so exciting being there. It felt like I was at a taping of the Jerry Springer show with everyone chanting UFC, UFC. Amazing stuff. Um, is it a little weird for you, though? Is it? A, I can't wrap my head around the fact that you're the only Sarah Longo fighter on this card. That, to me, is is amazing in, in, in a non-good way. You know what I mean? Like I would have predicted you, Volante, uh, I know he's kind of half, but you get what I'm saying. Sterling, uh, I, I, like the whole card could have been New York versus the world. Is it a bit of a bummer that you're the only one? Yeah, I mean, uh, anytime I'd always imagine, you know, uh, the first event in New York, I always just imagine all the New York fighters there. You know, finally have an opportunity to find New York. But it kind of, you know, it, the way it worked out now is this first show was obviously the biggest, but you start coming to the realization that fighting in New York is going to be a thing that's happening multiple times a year. And that this first one was really cool, and it'd be great. I, I would love if all my teammates were on there, obviously, uh, and all the other guys from the York, because uh, you know we've been waiting for this moment forever. Um, but the way it worked out, for whatever reason, I am the only one, and um, it sucks. But at the end of the day, this event will pass, and then there'll be a next event, there'll be another event, and people will forget really about oh, I wasn't on the first event ever. It really, it's not going to be something that feel like that. Um, you know, you hang your hat on. Right. Long, you know, you kind of just move on. And then next thing I know, there'll be another event at Madison Square Garden in a couple months. So, as bad as it sucks that they're not on it, I know that at the end of the day, uh, they'll get over it and that they'll have their time there as well. And I, I know you were asked about the I Quinta situation sort of at the press conference. What, what's his mood like these days? Is he, is he going to the gym or no? Yeah, no, I know he was just there. Uh, I missed him, but I know he was just there the other day training. Um, he's doing good. I know he's doing his real estate at the same time. I think he's doing really good with that. I think he's putting some serious hours with him. But I actually haven't had a conversation with him in uh, in like two weeks, so i got to catch back up with Mr. Mr. Al. Okay. Um, uh, I'm probably calling him a call today. Any, I didn't mention it. I've been, I've, been, I've been crazy busy, so yeah. all over the place. Uh, any limitations with the neck? No, nothing, man. My neck is feeling uh, really good. No, no issues at all. Strength, strength is completely back. Uh, full range of motion. Um, so thank God, nothing, nothing with the neck at all. This, it's amazing what it took for you to get to this point. With you know, I remember when you wrote that post on your Instagram about the neck injury and how upset you were and 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 kind of depressed about the whole situation. But you guaranteed that you'd be in New York. And then the contract thing. I mean, what a road it has been just to get to New York, right? Man, it's been, it's been stressful, and yeah, I was the. When I hurt my neck, I wanted that Luke fight more than anything. I wanted to prove myself and, and, and let everybody know that that first fight wasn't me in there. And uh, I've never felt better for a training camp. And to see it all disappear uh, two weeks before that fight, and, and the neck injury came out of nowhere. It was like uh, everything was fine. I had no injuries, and then all of a sudden, 
and I was very cautious about getting injured. You know, that's the other thing. I, I did not want to get injured. And then next thing I know, it a worse pain, the nerve pain came in, and and then uh, I was losing my title shot. And now look at me. Now I'm okay. Like I had that title shot right there, and then for my rematch, I felt like I would have got my belt back. And now I'm fighting uh, for contendership, and and uh, there's no guarantee of me getting a title shot at this fight. You know, I think I will, but you know, there's no guarantee. So. It's, it's a, it was a, it was a spot in my life where I was, I was depressed, man. All the pain I was going through before surgery, I was trying to take my time picking a doctor, and, and every day was extreme pain on painkillers. It was, it was like a two, it was like more like a three week period where I was, I was depressed, man. I, I really don't. I'm a pretty happy go lucky guy. I really don't take, I really don't get depressed too much. And uh, that was uh, that was a tough time. How do you handle depression? So, like, what's Chris Weidman like when he's depressed? <laughs> uh, uh, you know, I think I don't know. I was I was on painkillers, man. I literally could not go. I had to be on painkillers. I was on. I was in so much pain, and that nerve pain. It's like the number one cause of depression that people have is like cervical neck pain, and. I've had, you know, I wrestled my whole life, so I had stingers growing up. I've had a bunch of issues with my neck and obviously other injuries. And um, But, you know, you, you get a stinger, it sucks. You know, you're scared to wrestle or you're scared to, you know, spar because every time you go for a takedown or you get punched, you might have a stinger. Um, but when you have the constant nerve pain that I had, it was no matter where I put my neck, no matter what I did, I had this terrible neck pain. And um, it was that I had to, I had to be on painkillers, and I hate being on freaking any. I hate being taking anything. So it was uh, it, it just sucked. And uh, yeah, no, I, I don't know what I was really. I was in a cloud. I don't really remember what the hell I was doing. Wow. I, I don't know. I don't even. I honestly gonna have to ask my wife. It was like you were drunk for three weeks. I don't remember anything. Did you eat a lot of pizza or? Was it lose Sal's? Well, I, I'm sure I definitely ate a lot of pizza. That's, <laughs> I don't have to remember that. But chicken rolls and pizza, I'm sure, were definitely a big part of the diet. What What, what are chicken rolls? Chicken rolls are you got the the bread, yeah, you know, wrapped around. It's like uh, like almost like a little uh, I don't know how to describe it, but you but you have, you have uh, like fried chicken and oh. marinara sauce inside of a, like inside of fried breading. Wow. Um, and then you, and then of course you got you know you break it up and you, you usually cut it in half, then you dip it into the marinara sauce that they give you on the side too. So. Um, it is really good. That's usually one of my go-tos when I'm eating when I'm when I'm depressed. <laughs> wow, I had no idea. <laughs> All right. Oh, you never had a chicken roll. What the hell is wrong with you? Never had a chicken roll. You know, it's funny. I was just looking back at our at our interview before I let you go. I'll just tell you this. I was just looking back at our interview at your house after Hurricane Sandy. It's ama- it's an amazing thing to to watch. I don't know if you've ever seen it or rewatched it. But uh, it's it's just amazing to see how far you've come and what your life was like at that point. Like you, you, you said at one point that you had no underwear, that you had to go find some underwear because you had lost all your underwear. Do you remember that? Um, yeah, man, I, I, you just gave me the chills. I, you know, I think when I actually stop and think about my my story, like where I came from and now where I am, I'm very, I'm just so blessed and grateful because. And I never cared about money. I never cared. All I wanted was like not to be embarrassed if I happened to be going out to lunch with a couple people that I can't pay for my own lunch. That's honestly, that was like my dream. I just wanted to be able to have enough money in my bank account to where I could buy lunch without calling my wife and figuring out I'm going to go into debt, just be able to actually have money to pay for lunch. That's all I cared about. And I remember actually my second MMA fight, 
there was a guy in the gym. I never had socks. I, I never had, I always had like mismatched socks. I never had like, they would be baggy, like hanging off. I had the same socks since like elementary school. And uh, the guy in the gym, the kid who had more money than me, was like, if you win this next fight, I'm buying you 50 pairs of socks. And honestly, that was like the best present I ever got, man. He gave me 50 pairs of like low cut socks. And I remember just being so happy, man. I, I still have those, those socks. Uh, but still, still the ones I use most of the time. Wow. <laughs> hey, hang on one second. Hey, what's going on here, Kevin? Hey, what's up, buddy? Um, and uh, so it's funny to see. It is, it, is, it is crazy, man, to see where it is. You know what they say is like, you know, I became an overnight success. It took me, I don't know, 20-something years to become an overnight success. I beat Anthony Silva, and all of a sudden people think it happens overnight, you know. But it was really, man, I don't I got to actually sit down and think about this because I'm not one to usually reflect, but I mean, I put in so many years of work, ups and downs, ups and downs, with no thought of ever like being, making money. And, uh, and all of a sudden it finally pays off. It's that delayed gratification. You you never, that that's the real success. See, everyone's looking for that, that lottery ticket, but what it is is you put all this work in and you don't actually see, you don't see the benefits of the work you put in until maybe years later. Like, I just got done with a great wrestling practice. I felt great. Does, it, in, in, like, am I a better wrestler tomorrow? Probably not. But maybe in a, uh, you know, a couple of months, that, that work I just put in now, that extra time I just put in, um, maybe that'll benefit me then. You know, I don't know. It's, so it's a life, the life of a fighter. You don't I love see it. The success, you don't see the success right away. And that's why... You know, in a nutshell, it would have been a travesty if you didn't end up on that card. Considering everything you did for the sport, considering your story, considering where you're from, you had to be on that card, and I'm glad they got it done. Uh, thank you for the time, Chris. I appreciate that. I appreciate you reflecting a little bit, and uh, good luck in the last month, and I look forward to seeing you at MSG. All right, buddy. Thanks for having me on. I and thanks for it. turning the tables on me there. You didn't get me. It was a nice try, but next time bring your A game, all right? All right, bro. You are you were flustered, let's be honest. You're not used to that. So every once in a while, I got, look, you got all upset. You were like, well, I feel like there's some tension here, Chris. No, that's how, that's, that's, that's how I turned the tables back. Come on, man. Look, if we got well, into listen, the ring. I, let you, I just want to make it. Let me make this very clear. Okay. I'm the psychology major okay. here. I understand, the mindset, but I understand your mindset and how you tried to flip it on me. But I let you flip it on me. It's your interview. At the end of the day, I saw you flustered. I got what I wanted. You got <laughs> flustered. And then you turned it back on me, which, I, of course, I let happen. And then you're, you're happy. I'm happy. It's okay. All right. It's a good day. We're both happy. All right. All right. Much love. Both happy. Yes. Much love to you, too. Take care, everybody. Thanks Take for care. the support. All right. There he is, Chris Weidman. Great stuff there from Chris Weidman. Always a pleasure to talk to him. Always love hearing from Chris. And I... I do mean it when I say he had to be on that card. Kind of wild that he got the deal done with Lorenzo Fertitta. How about that? Um, but hey, that's the way things go. Kind of served as a mediator, an arbitrator, if you will. Crazy, crazy stuff going on in MMA. All right, uh, a bit of a break in the action. In around 25 minutes or so, we're going to be joined by Mark Casey, who was successful in his Octagon debut on Saturday in Manchester, and then we'll round out the show with Mac Rice. Good to check in with Mac Rice in around 45 minutes or so. For now, let us say hello to Mr. New York Rick. Mr. New York Rick, are you there? I'm here. A lot to talk to you about, New York Rick, all right? Not all right. Okay. No. First things first, Derek Lewis. 
<laughs> He's great. Speak. <laughs> um, nothing to say other than, uh, man, that was great. And the, the Make America Trilligan had his... Something else. On point. He needs to get that to, uh, to Will Brooks. Yeah. Ill Trill Will yeah. Brooks. I think Will Brooks needs to go back to the ill Will Brooks. I'm very superstitious when it comes to these things. Like, if you change it and then something weird happens... I mean, but he won... He did win? No, he lost. No, not his last fight, but he won the fight before that. And I think he was... No, no. Was he Trill? The Trill was before. Trill was before this yeah, fight yeah, only. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Um, okay. Main event, Saturday night. Yeah. First round. Who'd you give it to? 10-8 Henderson. Second round. 10-9 Bisping. So you didn't think the knockdown was enough? No. I thought Bisping controlled too much of the round. Um, a knockdown on its own, to me, doesn't signify 10-8. Although it is a boxing model, we're not scoring like boxing. There's too many other things involved. There's grappling. Um, there's there's different parts of the body that can be used in striking. Um, so even though the, the the scoring model is based on boxing, um, the criteria and things like that are not exactly the same. Um, so therefore, I don't think a knockdown means you automatically win the round. I thought Bisbing did uh, enough in that round to take it. Okay, so now we have it. One round for Hendo, one round for Bisbing. But, but Hendo gets... Up. Yeah. Uh, I think everyone agrees third, fourth, Bisping, right? Correct. Fifth I mean, round. as far as my card. Yeah, yeah, I haven't seen anyone argue otherwise. Fifth round, though. Fifth round, I had Henderson. 10-9. Why? Uh, I just thought he, you know, it, w- it was a close round, um, but I thought he did a little bit more, got the takedown, um, and... I could see that being scored for Bisping. I haven't watched it again. I've only watched it one time. Yeah. Um, if somebody told me they had that uh, for Bisping, I wouldn't say you're crazy. That that was not one of the the rounds that I could that I had a uh, you know the strongest opinion on. Yeah. Um, but that that was how I had it. I had uh, a draw, forty eight. Okay. So that means you had it a draw. Yeah. Fair to say, though, like I said at the top of the show, this isn't controversial. It's more arguable, debatable, because you can make a case for 10-9 first. You can make a case for Hendo winning the second. You can make a Mm -hmm. case for Bisping winning the fifth. I mean, there's nothing too egregious. Heck, you can even make a case. Like, I could sit and listen to you talk about 49-46 Bisping, even though I definitely disagree with it. It's not controversial. It's debatable, but I do feel when you consider the fact that, you know, Hendo didn't necessarily earn the title shot. I know it was sort of a lifetime achievement award. It was weird. He was retiring. The belt would have been vacated. I know this doesn't come into play when you're judging a fight, but in the end, I kind of feel like it all worked out. Do you get what I'm saying? Like, nothing is so black and white. Even judging isn't black and white, but I sort of feel like given all this stuff, it just sort of feels fair the way it ended. Yeah, not for Henderson. Even for Henderson, because really mm. he didn't he didn't deserve to be in that spot at this point of his career, leaving with the belt. I mean, the whole thing was kind of absurd to begin with. And I'm not trying to take anything away from him. Like I said, I wish there was a Hall of Fame so that we can induct him today properly. But leaving with the belt and and having guys fight for a vacated title, it just it feels a little clumsy. And I do think it's better for business to have Bisping around as champion because Bisping versus Weidman, Romero. Uh, Rockhold and Jacare, I mean, people are interested in that. He does such a great job of picking fights with so many people. He ran down the entire, you know, contendership lineup. I just feel like it, it just, it was sort of poetic justice. Do you get what I'm saying? I do. Um, but I think it would have been a hell of a story for Henderson to go out with the title. I mean, that would have been, 
one for the books at how old 40 I still feel like it's a hell of a story like he gets mm. that sort of sympathy vote nope. he walks out with his head held high not, not going to be the same yeah. no, nobody re- people will remember this as a great fight but they will remember this as a title defense for Michael Bisping before anything uh, impressive for Dan Henderson unfortunately Hmm. Okay, what do you think about this fighter of the year debate? Now, we have two months left, two and a half months left. There's still a lot of fighting to go. But I think that it is one of the more interesting debates in recent years. Like, I feel like by now, usually, we kind of have a, a sense for who's going to win it. But right now, you've got Stipe, right? Yep. 3-0. and you got Bisping, 3-0. and Beat a former UFC champion, a former UFC and Strikeforce champion, current UFC and Strikeforce champion in Rockhold, and then the former Pride and Strikeforce champion in in Dan Henderson. Uh, Wonderboy, if he wins, Eddie, if he wins, what do you think? I think Bisbing's a front runner at this point. Even if um, Eddie beats Connor, if Eddie beats Connor, we have a case. Okay, but right now it's Bisping. Right now, I think it's Bisping. Yeah. Um, not Miocic, who's three zero. The story's not there. Uh, they're great wins. Uh, and it was great for Stipe to win in front of his hometown crowd. But Michael Bisping was written off and was on the verge, on the very cusp of being a fighter who was uh, buried and the guy who could never get it done um, was so close every time and uh, essentially never uh, won the big one. And now he's a champion who's defended his belt. Um, it's it's the, the swing in momentum for Michael Bisping, along with the strength of that resume, the strength of those wins that he has, um, it's got to be Michael Bisping. If you're Michael Bisping, who do you hope your next title defense is against? Oof. That's a very hard question because all four of those guys are monsters. Um, assuming that, uh, are we assuming that those of those four, one of those is getting the next title shot? Yes. Or could Gegar Musasi also jump into the I mix? I think Musasi is one away. Yeah, so into that let's assume discussion. that those four are facing off for the title. And that's why I wanted to fight Anderson Silva, but that's a different discussion. Those four guys, Romero, Weidman, Jacare, Rockhold. I might want to face... Man, let me talk it out as, as we're doing it, because I haven't thought about this. I would... Rockhold for... Rockhold's an interesting answer because you faced him twice. You kind of know what you're getting. It's a known quantity. You're not facing something unknown. That said, um, that last time that you did it, it's going to be hard to do it better than that. And Rockhold um, kind of has an idea of what mistakes he made. He might be able to uh, adjust them. So the familiarity raises the likelihood of you wanting to face Rockhold, but it also raises the likelihood that Rockhold's had the time to kind of figure that out. Um, Weidman... Maybe because of in the last couple of years and and, uh, beyond, he's not been as active as um, you might hope. So maybe you can kind of get him when he's, uh, you know, not 100 percent confident and healthy and and ready to fight. Um, So maybe Weidman uh, is an answer there. Jacare also dealing with injuries um, quite often. Older. And same for Romero. You're telling me everything older. that I know about these people. I need an answer. I'm, here, I'm talking right? it out of Jesus. my head. I have to figure this out. I mean, um, man, it's so hard. I wouldn't want to face any of these okay. guys. Who do you think will fight him? Well, I guess that comes down to I think Rockhold, Weidman. I think Rockhold and Weidman are going to come out of those fights. 
should they fight each other before they get the title no, fight, or should no. one just get? It should be one of those guys, and I think it's whoever's going to do and it more impressively. Does the other fight Musasi if it's not not Anderson? I like that. Yeah. Um, I mean, we'll know pretty soon. We'll know in the next month man, and a half. If, if this fight took place any time before this, I'd, I'd like Jacare's chances, but I think it's just taken too long to get to this point where he's uh, at the title shot. So I don't know if he can get past Rockhold at this point. Um, if I'm Bisping, I probably want Romero because I think he's the least proven of these guys at the top. Yeah. Um, followed by Jacare, followed by... What sells more, Rockhold 3 or Weidman? Oh, I think uh, Rockhold. You think so? Because 199 didn't do amazing. Yeah, but there's so much more storyline now. They've done it twice. It's yeah. a rubber match. It's not... It's not a Look... It's hard to sell 199 on the strength of Rockhold blowing the doors off sure. Michael Bisping. I hear you. Okay, fair enough. Now yeah. we're tied. Fair enough. And he blew the doors off Rockhold. It's uh, it's a new uh, ball game there. there. I think that's the fight. There is a lot of history though with with why if they go into the archives and old interviews. Yeah. And things. I remember when I was sitting next to Weidman going to UFC 153 in Brazil. We just so ha- our, our our seats were next to each other on the plane. It was a total coincidence, and I tweeted a picture of us sitting next to each other. And Bisping was all like, "Oh, look at these, you know, bosom buddies and all this <laughs> stuff." I mean, it, it goes back several years. Um, but yeah, I agree. I think they can't go wrong with either. All four of these are great options. You can sell these as legitimate contenders to a to a world title with a, le- a legitimate shot of beating Michael Bisping, and uh, the other way as well. Michael Bisping legitimately beating all these guys. It's uh, middleweight is a mess, but not for bad reasons, but because there's too many contenders. Yeah, no, it's a great time. It's a great yeah. time. Uh, how do you feel about this whole Conor McGregor getting one fifty fine of one hundred fifty thousand dollars and fifty hours? of community service. I mean, what is going on here? It's a joke. Every time we think that they can't get nuttier, can't get more, what's the word? What's the word I'm looking for here? They can't get, I mean, it's just, it's, it's, it's unfathomable how they reach. But how do we fix this? And then Nevada, Nevada, they said that they suggested, what was it? 25 K. How do you go from 25 K to 150? Let's, let's, let's run it down here. No one was hurt, and that is important to note. Was it dumb? Yeah, whatever. But no one was hurt. It was in a controlled space, so it wasn't in the lobby. It wasn't outside where people are walking. It was in a small, enclosed space. Yes, there were media there, but who cares about the media, right? I mean, if anyone gets hit in the head. No, but honestly, no one was seriously hurt. Uh, It was in a controlled space. It lasted, you know, what, 20 seconds. Water bottles, $150,000. I mean, look, Conor McGregor is a rich man. You know, he's, he's not gonna go belly up by you know having to pay this but it, it to me it's just once again it's an abuse of power and if i'm john jones i and if i'm brock lesnar brock probably doesn't care but if i'm john jones wow i'm getting nervous right now how, how do we combat this i don't know if there is a way to combat it to be honest well the only way to combat it is, is to by have, not acknowledging their power well they just they just exercise their power but they could so Maybe it's up to the UFC or whoever the, the promoters Man, the are UFC, to move it out of Vegas. I mean, the UFC, yeah, right. I mean, that is wishful thinking. The only way that you could combat, for lack of a better word, an unfair commission, a corrupt commission, whatever you want to say, the only thing that you can do to combat it is by trying to institute a national commission. Now, or, they could be corrupt as well. And, and, and we're such a far way from that happening. What, what about lobbying or trying to get um, better representatives in the Las Vegas commission? It just feels like it's it's a kangaroo court every time. And yeah. um, 
allowing them this power, it, seem, it, it seems like everybody's kind of being passive to it. Now, I'm not the one who's about to say I have the answer and how to combat it, but everybody's kind of just laying down and accepting their rulings and um, it's kind of nonsense. Well, I mean, they, they look, Conor McGregor makes a lot of money in Nevada. What choice does he have? The UFC makes say, a lot of money in Nevada. Well, I won't fight in Nevada. We, yeah. we had that before with, uh, what was it, Henry Cejudo and some others who said they wouldn't fight in Nevada during this Nick Diaz yeah. um, thing. Maybe something like that has to be done. There, there has to be a way because Conor McGregor is as valuable to Nevada as they are to him. In fact, much more so. They have no value to him and he has all the value to them. So you would think that they treat somebody who holds the cards in terms of that uh, a little bit better. Um, this is a slap on the wrist at best. I'm saying what it should have been. Yeah. This crime. Was Conor worthy. McGregor has brought a lot of money to Nevada. So yeah. it just doesn't really make a lot of sense the way this is, is playing out. I think they're, they're being granted too much power. Um, but I don't, have the, I don't quite have the answer for how, how that's done. I just think something has to be done. This is getting, it's getting more and more ridiculous. $150,000. More than DC and Jones got for actually getting into a fight in the sure. lobby of the MGM physical altercation people being moved yeah. bodies being moved uh and crazy that was, yeah mind-blowing to me it truly is mind-blowing to me uh and and just i saw some people asking me this does not affect connor's fight at ufc 205 he's not going to be pulled he's not suspended he just has to you know uh pay this fine and and, and do the community service i love how they they suggested media training which i don't even know what that means like what, what like what is well, the media training going to teach him to not get riled up at press conferences to yeah. not make the ufc a lot of money i mean it's not like he does this every time it's just amazing that they come up with these nonsensical that's the word i was looking for nonsensical you cannot make sense of their decisions sure i mean agree with everything you're saying here what i you think, think i think everybody unanimously is on the same page here which is why it's so confounding to me uh this should be something if everybody but these uh you know uh select few people in a room uh agree they should not be the ones that have the power but alas um gsp anderson silva people keep asking me about this because yeah. uh, anderson's son uh posted something on instagram not on the table not being discussed uh, I saw even some people saying that it was a done deal. No. What I can say about the GSP situation is it's a fluid situation. There's still talks. Um, I know even Dana White refuted it. And I thought it was interesting that people were like, is he telling the truth or not? He's telling the truth this time. I can assure you of that. Um, but he then followed that up with, I don't think he wants to fight. Dana's thing is that GSP is keeping his name in the news and really, I mean, when's the last time GSP actually did an interview about this? It's been quite some time now. It's been over a month. But anyway, GSP is keeping his name in the news to appease his sponsors, to continue to get paid by them by saying that, okay, I'm coming back, I'm coming back, getting them excited. They continue to pay him. I can tell you with 100% certainty that that is not the case. He does want to fight. He wants an opportunity to fight. He wants to fight in Toronto. Uh, the issue is coming to terms and you know here's one guy who's made a lot of money who holds some leverage who has some power and is is not jumping when you know they they say jump he's not saying how high and so they're at a stalemate we'll see what happens but i could tell you about the anderson fight that is not the one that's being discussed or offered on the table etc etc so if you were hoping for that one stop hoping for it 
Damn, killing people's uh, dreams here. I'm sorry. What do you think of that 205 promo, the one in New York? I liked it a lot. Okay. Um, I like where you're going here. What? No, it's good. <laughs> you don't even know where I'm going you here. You paused. I liked it a lot, but um, it almost felt overproduced. Is that, a, is that a fair criticism? Okay. See, this is why I'm happy. I liked the way it was shot and edited. I felt it was somewhat derivative. And what I mean by that was, it was kind of like, okay, we've seen this sort of thing. Well, which one did we see? Um, 200? Ald- or maybe Aldo McGregor. Aldo like, McGregor. Everything is quiet and they're coming. Yeah. You know what I really didn't like about it? That most of them were wearing the same thing that they wore at that press conference. Mm-hmm. Same suit for Connor, um, Carolina, Joanna wearing the same thing. I, I didn't. That, I didn't like that. I mean, I, I felt like we needed a wardrobe change because it still puts me in that moment, and it feels like it, like it was shot. This is supposed to be them sort of converging around fight night. Having Wonder Boy walk around with the backpack made him feel very young to me. Like a like a he felt like yep. a kid backpacking. Like this is not really the the top contender in the welterweight C- division. Could not agree more on that point. Yep. It felt very juvenile. Um, and th- there were. <laughs> I thought uh, Eddie's was funny because it looked like he was just some dude like at a coffee shop. And he's like, eh, you know, maybe I'll go see some fights. Maybe yeah, I'll I, just, didn't, I uh, didn't really get like... I'll show up to the fight. I like the imagery and I like that New York was was a character and that's the way it should be. But I feel like it could have been done... It, it was very on the surface. Now, the cinematography, the editing was fantastic, but the actual story wasn't what I thought it could be. Yeah. Do you get what I'm saying? There's plenty of time to rectify that, I think... Well, um, I mean, I'm not, I don't think they're going to shoot another one. No, but th- there will be there will be other promos for this that I imagine are less of that, less produced and less. Um, yeah, but that's the one. That's the one that you're going to see. Yeah, I mean, I'm I, I'm cool with it. Um, it just yeah, I'm I'm I, all your points. I I agree with for sure. Well, thank you. Well, this is this is a rare occasion. Yeah, been agreeing a lot today. Uh, okay, let me ask you about yeah, this one. Yeah, ask me something I won't agree with you with. Okay, wait, I have to find something. Okay, Marlon Moraes, re-signing the World Series of Fighting. Smart, yep. not smart? Yep. Wait, what's the... I just asked you a question. Sorry, say it one more time. Smart or not smart? For... Marlon Moraes, re-signing uh, the World Series of Fighting. Um, That's an interesting question. It really depends on how highly ranked... And how high you think his ceiling is for potentially capturing the UFC title? Um, You're already going in the wrong direction. Why? It's all about the money. He's getting paid a lot more to fight lesser competition. It's a no-brainer. No, that's not what every guy strives for. Eh. Not every guy wants to just be paid for a promotion. Well, they should be. What, what, what does it matter if you're fighting the 8th or ninth best guy in the UFC in 10 years' time if you're getting a fraction of what you could have been making fighting lesser competition well that's what i'm saying if he thinks he if he and his team and everybody else thinks he could potentially make a run at the ufc title yeah i think you have to take that opportunity uh yeah it's it's nice to be paid uh that way but you can also be compensated handsomely and prove yourself to be the best in the world which i think i don't know marlon marias i can't speak for him but i have to imagine he got into this sport to be the best and right now at wsof he's not proving that that's for sure selfishly as a fan I'm a little bummed to not see him in the UFC because I want to see how far he can go, but I 100% understand why he's doing this. And, you know, I don't blame him. Conor McGregor <laughs> tweeting, you see this? I get fined more than these bums get paid. 
Oh, there you go. I mean, that says it all. It's unbelievable. It's incredible. He's spun it perfectly. Uh, now, do you think that they'll take this as an affront and call him back? Oh, God. Knowing these... Uh, yeah, I, I could see this happening. No, I don't think so. I think what's done is done. Um, okay. Mickey Gall, Sage Northcutt. Love that fight. Had to be made. On this show, it went even further. Um, yeah. Should it be hair versus hair? No, stop. Come on. First of all, neither of them has this like these flowing locks. It's just a quick, like for them, it wouldn't be that impressive of a hair versus hair type thing. Hmm. You could grow back both their haircuts relatively quickly. But both guys with the bald cranium is a sight to be seen, right? No, get, get stop it. Hair versus hair. I think hair versus hair is a very, very interesting stipulation. Um, I I think allowance, milk money versus milk money. (laughs) It it was the fight to make, and I'm happy they made it. And it's on Fox, and it's a very big stage. Uh, Let me ask you about this before we get ready for our next guest. Uh, BJ Penn, out, card, canceled. What do you do with BJ now? What what, what happens? Well, hopefully it's they give him um, a fight that... uh, Allows him a little more time to build himself back up. I said on this show that I didn't think Lamas was that big a step up for him. Um, it was, clearly. Lamas is still a top fighter. Um, but I didn't think it was the the murder that everybody was making this out to be. That said, now with another fight cancellation, I think maybe it's time to really, really uh, give him somebody that's... Um, Dennis Seaver, perhaps? As, I mean, I don't know the last time Seaver fought or who he fought, but that'd be a great... Uh, but isn't that the one that was the perfect fight it, sure no like the perfect caliber of opponent perfect placement it was prelims it was you know stateside he didn't have to travel far it was a guy sort of on the way down fighting a main event against still a very relevant contender overseas made no sense to me so I actually think that this is a blessing in disguise yeah it has, sir. I guess it could be Seaver. I mean, I don't. I don't think Seaver is anybody in particular that's any better than any other, you know, run of the mill featherweight. Um, so I don't know if it it all hinges on being Seaver, but um, yeah, it, it needs to be somebody significantly lower than Lamas. That's that's for sure. You still want to see him after fight. this after this other setback? Look, it doesn't matter if I want to see him fight. You want to well, see I'm him fight? Anybody? You. He's yeah. I, I think I want to see him fight just because. The alternative is something probably much worse. Um, he's going to be miserable, not fighting. We've heard it. You know, we've we've seen BJ Penn not be a fighter, and he sounded not happy. Um, so, got to do got to do what's best for the. It's the amazing spirit. that it's been almost ten months since he came on the show and told us that he was coming out of retirement. Yeah, we've had some setbacks. Four cancellations. Yeah, that's why I was. I was not as upset about Lamas, the Lamas booking, as everybody else. But now at this point, I'm like, you know, mm. it has to be it has to be drawn back a little bit. All right. All so right. Uh, Manila's canceled. Go grab our guest. Yes, sir. And, you know, the silver lining here, in my opinion, is that now the UFC has, I mean, the next cards we have the 15th off, the 22nd off, the 29th off, and then the next card is the 5th in Mexico City. And then it's, UFC 205. So the UFC has four weeks off before that Mexico City card. And there's just one before the New York City card. I think that's huge. I think that that really helps New York City. I think that 
as I've said before, having shows back to 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 back precludes you from truly getting people excited about these cards, from building them up properly, from doing the right kind of PR. Everything gets sort of muddied. But now that we have this break, I predict that come 205, people are going to be foaming at the mouth. They're going to be so much more excited because they're going to start missing the UFC because we've been programmed for essentially a card every weekend. But now they're really going to start missing it. So this is kind of in a weird way. And and I hate the fact that the card was canceled. Um, I hate the fact that the fighters don't know who they're going to fight next, when they're going to fight, how much they're going to get paid. Compensation is it going to be their show money. Their, uh, who knows? That all sucks. Um, from a promotion standpoint, it's a blessing. I heard ticket sales weren't going well. Uh, so, you know, it's just one of those things. The, the, the product is, is, is very stretched. It's very thin these days. It's very watered down. And hopefully this time, you know, next year, we're looking at a reduced schedule because I think that would benefit all. This year, it's 40-something fights. I think it should be in the 20s or 30s max, but who the hell am I? Back in the day, we were always told, this isn't boxing. If the main event goes down, we still have a solid card. Well, in the last four years, it's been three cards that have been announced and then cut because of a main event falling through. And when I mean cut, I mean canceled. That's not a good thing. Back in the day, main event falls through, you bump up a co-main event. And sometimes there's going to be a card. God forbid something happens at 205, the card will be fine. But when you're talking about these smaller fight nights and ticket sales are low, it's hard to salvage the card. All right. One of the big stories on Saturday, UFC 204. Of course, it happened very late or early in the morning in Manchester. Uh, the, the, the Brits did pretty damn well. Of course, Michael Bisping winning, Jimmy Mano winning. But how about Mark Diacasey? The bone crusher, right? Everyone very excited about him. Now 10-0, doing his thing in the UFC now, making his debut on Saturday against Lucas Soyevsky. Very entertaining debut. A lot of people asked for him to come on the show to talk about it. You want to hear from the bone crusher? Well, there he is joining us via the magic of Skype right now. Is he there or is it audio only? Oh, there he is. Mark D. Casey, how are you, my friend? I'm good at you. I'm doing great. Thank you so much for coming on the show. Tell me exactly how do you pronounce your last name? Because I hear 10 different variations of it. Jacasey. Jacasey. Yeah. Okay. There you go. That sounds good, yeah. All right. Well, thank you very much for coming on and congratulations on your debut. Does it still feel kind of surreal for you? We're less than 48 hours removed from it. What does it feel like that you now have a UFC win under your belt? Uh, I don't know. I still don't know, really. I I'd like to have a go again. I'd like to go back in there and have a go again. Relive it. It was fun. A lot of fun. You'd be ready to go this weekend? Yeah, I enjoyed it. We're good. I'd like to go again. So, so 10 fights now. Of course, that was your first. Did it feel different? Like in the locker room, under the lights, Bruce Buffer is announcing your name. Did, they, like, did you have a moment where you're like, I'm not in Bama anymore. I'm not on the regional scene. This is the big leagues. Did it feel different? Uh. If I've been honest, for some reason, I felt like I had more pressure being on Bama than UFC. Huh? I just felt like because I worked a lot, I worked, I worked so hard to get there, and I was there. I was just I, I enjoyed myself because I felt like Bama. I had to like perform to not to lose the fight to try and get in. Okay. But now I'm in. I just went to enjoy it, and then that's what I did. 
So in the UFC, you were kind of flying under the radar a little bit, you felt. Yeah, I, I just feel like now I'm just having fun. Like, it's, it's where I wanted to be. I'm here, I'm there, I just got to enjoy it. And that's what I try doing. Just not, I didn't worry about anything, just enjoy it. So your fight happened at around 1 a.m. local time. So it wasn't, it wasn't too crazy. I mean, people fighting in main events at around that time. It wasn't like you were Bisping fighting at 5 a.m. Was that, was that weird for you to fight so late? Uh, not really, because usually I wake up around 4 a.m. for training uh, to do my boxing. Wow. So I, I'm kind of used to that time waking up and training. So it didn't even make a difference. But that means I'm assuming that you're going to bed early if you're waking up at 4 a.m., no? Yeah, I do. I do go to bed early, yeah. Just because my coach, my boxing coach obviously works, uh, Sean Fickett. So I had to like sleep early and then wake up four in the morning and train from, uh, start at five and then finish early morning before it goes to work. So what, you don't have a job anymore, right? You're, you're a full-time fighter. Full-time fighter, yes. So 4 a.m. you wake up. How long are you training for at 4 a.m.? Uh, I'm training to around uh, half six. We start at five to half six, and then I'm done and drive back home. And then I'm assuming you train again throughout the day, right? Yeah, I come back home have an hour sleep and then travel to Manchester. It's like two hours away from my house. Uh, my, my main gym, uh, ASW, to train there with my coach, Darren Morris. And that's it, and come back home. Wow. Uh, what a long day that is. So, um, interesting the way the fight started. Uh, you, you, you sort of bum-rushed him, and it didn't go your way. What are you thinking when now all of a sudden, you know, 30 seconds into your debut, you're on your back? I, I would imagine this is not how you drew it up. Yeah, I just realized, you know, I, I rushed in a little bit. I thought, oh, crap, I messed up here. So that's why I didn't want to do anything, rush or anything, because I knew he was looking to take my back. So I thought, he's going to want to do something. I was just waiting for him to make a move and I can explode, explode back, up, back up. But it didn't. It was just holding on. So I was thinking ref would stand it up by then, but obviously it didn't. So I just started trying to move a bit, and then eventually I managed to get up. But, you know, it is what it is. I think I'm a, I'm a, I'm a better wrestler than him, to be fair, but just a just moment in time. I've watched it back. I know I did wrong. I was letting him tape uh, double on the rock, which what I did wrong. That's about it. But, you know, I got the win. In hindsight, are you annoyed that you rushed in and sort of opened yourself up for the takedown? Do you think that if you didn't do that, you could have finished him sooner? Yeah, I would have. Yeah, I definitely would have. Because I don't, I don't think he had much to offer uh, for me. So I'd have finished definitely early, a lot earlier, but, you know, it happened. Was that the I game plan? It. Was that the game plan to start so quickly? No, I just it was just moment in time, you know. <laughs> I, I, enjoy fight. I enjoy fighting. The stage felt amazing. The map... So I feel like I could play with it a little bit, you know, but it happened. The canvas felt really soft to plant my feet and do things that I wanted to do. Wow. So I was just, I was just enjoying it. Does it feel different than a Bama canvas? It does, yeah. It's very nice. <laughs> I enjoy it. <laughs> it's, honestly, it's like, a, it's like a brand new toy wow. to play with. <laughs> Holy moly. Yeah. I've never heard anyone describe it that way. Um, so you didn't panic at all, though. You weren't worried about how it started off. No, no, not so ever. You know, it's a fight in the day. It's there to punch me. I was just, you know, doing the same thing. Hmm. But mainly, I just like to enjoy it now. Because at the back room, I see a lot of people seem to be panicking. They all look nervous. <laughs> like they're going to, to, going to be killed or something. You know, in the day, you know, you're fighting. Just enjoy it. You worked you work for your, your entire life to get there. When you're there, you're going to enjoy it. So you're not the kind of guy who gets nervous in life? 
not sort of. I, I, I'm confident in my game because I, tra- I train hard. I yeah. know what I put into yeah. work. As if I'm not like if as long as I know I've, I train correctly, I've not done anything stupid or going out drinking. I know I've done everything right. You know, it's time to enjoy. I've suffered in training, so why would I be worried for anything else? I'm there to fight, so I just gotta enjoy it. Uh, from my perspective, watching on television, it looked like he was really tired in the second round. He didn't have much left. Did you notice that? And were you telling yourself, okay, I need to capitalize now and, and get rid of this guy? Usually, my first round, that's why, if you notice, every time I come out, I'm coming out sweating, ready to go. Yeah. Because I, I usually, first round, I usually start slow, but after that, I know that, but that second and third is my rounds, because I know I get stronger by rounds, I pick up. So I knew by, by sacking that second round, I knew I was going to take it. I like, he just took me down. I'm not used to take down. I know he's gassing, so I'm going to put it on him. Wow. And, and then you did, did you think that the fight was stopped late? Uh, you know what? The first round when I hit him, when I slammed him, I, hit, I started hitting him. I thought, ref just stopped it. But it didn't. And I thought, and I realized, I was like, yep, yeah, I'm in a UFC. <laughs> this uh-huh. is different. <laughs> All right. So more beating. I'm going to hit him a bit more. Yeah, what a slam that was. That was like Hulk Hogan and Andre the Giant. He, you picked him up over his head like a body slam. Have you done that before in a fight? Well, I've done. if you watch my videos, I've done four suplexes before when I'm amateur fights. But that was like one of these things. He was trying to take my neck, so I wasn't letting that happen. I thought going to pay for this. So I had to slam him. Wow. Um, okay, and then you get the victory. So now you're 1-0 in the UFC. What did you do after the fight? After the fight, I went to my hotel and had a nap. <laughs> to go back home. <laughs> you didn't stick around for the main event? You didn't watch it? No, I didn't watch it. Why? I don't know. I felt a bit... I just went to go to sleep. So right you know, after you went you went home? Yeah, I went to home. Yeah, no, I went to my hotel. Your hotel, yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah. You had no interest in watching Bisping and Hendo's last fight, all that stuff? No, I think I was a, bit, a little bit tired. I went to just go and have a okay. nap sleep. All right. Did you take it in? Did you go in the crowd at all and watch you know any of the action? Uh, can't even remember. <laughs> <laughs> Very businesslike. Have no. you ever? Go ahead. I can't remember. If I'm honest, I can't remember watching any fights. Uh, have you ever been to a UFC event? Uh, no. Wow. Your first UFC <laughs> event, you fight. Oh, no, in fact, my bad, I have. Uh, Gustafsson with uh, Rumble Johnson. I've been to that because I was, I was training there. So in Sweden. I was there. In Sweden, yeah. Okay. Um, and that, that's something that I heard people talking about. They were saying that you were from Manchester, but you're not exactly from Manchester, right? No, Doncaster. I live in Doncaster. Did that bother you? No, because I think, obviously, I, I train in Manchester, but my coach wanted to be, obviously, because I fire at Manchester, so he wanted to be put a fire at Manchester, but, but it doesn't really matter. You know, it's all, it's all, we're all together. Right. We are all together. Um, I w- when I was in London for the Bisping-Anderson Silva fight, I was in the, uh, the lobby of the hotel, and I forget the, the gentleman's name. He's part of Bisping's crew. He came up to me and he said, Mark J. Casey, remember this name. Go look him up. He's going to be in the UFC in a very short amount of time. He's the future. He's an upcoming star. He's killing it in Bama, et cetera, et cetera. And then I started to really you know, follow you. So this is back in February. Um, and, and I've heard a lot of your fans, like when you were fighting on Saturday, a lot of your fans were writing to me that you're the future of your future. Did you feel that kind I know you say you don't feel like pressure when you're in the UFC and all that stuff, but they have sort of tabbed you as the guy, like you're the next guy, the, the, the future of British MMA. Do you, do you sense that? Like when you're walking, do a lot of people come up to you and, and say that to you? Yeah, a lot of people tell me that, but at the same time, I don't really like to believe in that 
you know, they can, they can tell you that, but at the same time, when you lose, they won't be there. So it's about me just getting out there and doing what I do. Mm. And that is win, win fights. I don't really like to listen a lot about that, you know. I want to become a world champion one day, so you can't be listening to people telling you how good you are. Sure. Because it gets to your head when people tell you, nah, I, just, I, I take it as a, you know, a compliment. And apart from that, it doesn't really mean anything to me. I'm, at the end of the day, it's me that's fighting. If you're listening to me and you're thinking you're good, then that's when you start getting overconfident and start losing fights. I'm not into that. You made your pro debut around three years ago. Um, when, did yeah. you, when did you sense that this was starting to build? Like people were starting to view you as, you know, a, a future champion, someone to remember. Like, when did you, was it from the beginning or was there a point where you felt like you turned the corner in your career? I can't remember this. <laughs> One of my first fight, a, a guy came to me and said to me, oh, can you take a picture of my son? And I said, but I'm not famous. He said, it's all right. One day you'll be famous. Wow, and you know, I like I like to meet that guy again because he believed in me that day. Wow, I think <laughs> I think from the beginning people seem some sort of like believed that I'd get I'd go far, but I didn't really believe in it myself personally. I just thought you know they're just talking because I'm fighting, but now I'm starting you know getting confident in my own game. You know, I've realized how hard I work. I've realized a lot of UFC fighters that are in the UFC they just like to have it for a name. You know, they don't they don't train as they should be training. Because I've been in a lot of gyms, yeah, say all stars, different gyms. I've trained a lot of UFC fighters. They don't train as I do, and they don't think as I do. Mm. So that's what I'm thinking. I'm, I'm a little bit different. Uh, you were born in the Democratic Republic of Congo, right? Yeah. Uh, when did you move to England? I moved in 2005. With your family? With my family and my, my uncle. Uh, why, my uncle brought me up. Why did you move to England? Why did you leave Congo? Because uh, it's, it's, it's a long story, but, it's, you know, I didn't really have, like, some sort of a parenting. So it was mainly, like, myself and my, one of my uncle left. So he, he decided to bring me over because, uh, obviously, I was close to him and then brought me over. And that was it. You didn't have any siblings? I have, but, like, you know, we don't really associate. Let me put it that way okay. that much. And your parents, yeah. you don't have a relationship with? I have. I talk to them, but not, not as I should. You know, the family, which I don't really like to talk about. Okay, I understand. Uh, I'm just wondering, did you hear from them after your UFC debut? No. Okay. Um, were you expecting to? <laughs> I don't like to talk about this. Fair enough, fair enough. Um, <laughs> so, when did you get introduced to MMA? Uh... Well, it was six years ago. Mainly, I would just I wanted to do some just to just you know just to train to be a fun. And then I realized I go I end up being in, inside a cage fighting, and that was it. I never stopped since. Wow, who introduced you to it? Myself. I just walked into a gym. Wow. Start yeah, because I just wanted to do some sort of mixed martial art. I went to a gym and that was it. And then I did like a amateur fight. And I just carried on since then. Um, so were you a fan of UFC? Had you seen it on TV and were interested in it? No, I never see I, I never even never really knew what it was. I just, you know, went to a gym. But I started watching a bit, I, I can't lie. I started I was watching a lot of John Jones when I started, and then that was it. Wow. I got hooked into it and I thought, yeah, I'm gonna give this a go. Were you always an athlete growing up? Like if you didn't find MMA, do you think you'd be doing some other professional sport? Well, before 
I did MMA. I, I, I played for Leeds. You know, I was playing for Leeds, obviously, or, uh, when I was 16. And then when I, when I got released, I didn't know what else to do. So I was just, I went to college for a bit. I started working on railway. And then, you know, MMA was just something I was just good at. Leeds as in the football club? Yeah. Wow. So what, you were in their, like, youth program? Youth program, yeah. I went youth pro- program, but then... It was like, it was far but from where I lived to Leeds. You know, I had no one to take me, so I couldn't, I was struggling, so I just left it. And did you get any offers from any other clubs? No, but I did, I did, I did go for a trial for where I live in Doncaster, but obviously I wasn't good enough, and then I, I broke my leg, my foot, oh. on the trials. So, and I just, from that day, I decided football's not for me. Okay. No one can tell me, no one can tell me how good I am. You know, I'll go and fight because in fight, I can decide if I'm good or not. Yeah, there's no doubt about that. Um, and you're doing very well. So do you, you don't play football anymore? No, I don't. I hate it. You hate it. Do you even watch it? I don't watch football. Wow. So you have like these deep, you know, feelings about like you, you, you want nothing to do with it. No, it's not that. I just don't enjoy it no more. My main focus, honestly, I leave and, and, and like breathe fighting. Yeah, That's yeah. all I think about. I go to bed. I dream about fighting. So that's all I do. So mainly I just watch videos. I watch different fighters just, you know, to try and get a bit, you know, a little bit of movements. That's about it. Um, do you feel like your background in, in football helped you in MMA? I, I wouldn't say so. I, I just think it just, why it does, they, I think my, how do I put it? My success has come from like my background. You know, I've, I think I've, Anger behind me, but I, I like I, I tunnel it through MMA. It makes me, you know, I feel like without MMA, I, I wouldn't know what to do. And mm. I use that anger to make me a better person. You feel like you have anger behind you? Yeah. Wow. Well, I, <laughs> Angry about what? So I train hard and it's about life. And MMA, MMA is the one that makes me a better person. Okay. I, feel, I have control, controlled aggression with MMA. It wow. controls me, so... And you and you have a daughter, right? I have a daughter and a, a son. Wow. Okay. Yeah. So I saw this video. Uh, Severe MMA did this video about you, and I saw you holding a, a pretty young baby in your hands. How old is she? Yeah. Uh, she's uh, well, thirteen weeks old now. Thirteen weeks. Yeah. Wow. Um, do you feel comfortable? Like, do you feel like you're you're making good money that you can support them, or are you anxious to get your career going here to make you know a proper living? You know, I can't lie. At first, uh, I went to railway. I was I was fine. I didn't I didn't do too bad, boy. When I went pro, I turned. I, I wanted to give my all. MMA. I did struggle, but now I just trying to find. I'm not not comfortable, but I I like to have a comfortable life. Yeah. You know, for my daughter, I don't want them to be like the way I've had it. Sure. I enjoy I enjoy fighting, but I'd like to give my son and my daughter a good life. So that's why I'm doing this. Um, and when you say you worked on the railway, like with the railroad tracks? Yeah. Wow. What'd you do? Uh, well, I tracked my railway engineer. Basically, just been a, a tough, tough man. Just on clipping rail, removing rail. Wow. Those are different stuff. <laughs> that's a long, You're going to be tough. That's a long ways from the Manchester Arena in front of like 15,000 fans, right? Yeah. Well, I didn't like it, you know. Yeah. I, I was working. I was like, this is not for me. Right. I just thought, oh, like, this is not for this is what I'm meant to be doing, you know. But MMA, I just feel like it's my all. I enjoy it, so I just give it my all. When did you start doing the Mohawk? Uh, 
<laughs> uh, well, it was my, before my title fight. You know, I just thought, I just said, I thought that's my different. And as soon as I had it, I had a knockout. And then since then, I thought, you know, <laughs> this works for me. <laughs> this works for me, and I keep it on. What inspired? I meant to support to have it. What, what what inspired you to do it? Is it you just think it looks good, or is there a reason for it? I don't know. I just go for whatever fell that day. It just made me do it. I just felt like doing it on that day, and then did it, and then I got a knockout, and just stayed up. <laughs> that is amazing. So, have they talked to you yet about your next fight? Do you know when you're going to fight again? Uh, well, we haven't really said much, so I'm just waiting to to, to hear from them. When do you want to fight again? Uh, it depends. Depends. Whoever want me to want me out, I'll be out there. What do you mean it depends? In your in in your perfect world, your perfect scenario. When is your next fight? Is it like, you know, in December, November? Like, you want to fight that? I know you said you're, you're anxious to get back in there, but do you have, a, do you, do you have an event and nothing in mind? Uh, I feel like you have something. You want to say it. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I, I truly don't know. Okay, you know, fair enough. I, I'm, ne- I'm, ne- I'm never unfit. I'm always training. So, whatever they feel like calling me in or jumping for, what's his name again? Who's fighting? Michael Johnson, whatever, jumping forever. Oh wow! I'll be there. We're talking. <laughs> we're talking about the creme de la creme, the top guys. You're ready for that. I'm the top guy. <laughs> I like that. So, but you feel, you don't you don't want the slow build. You want a quick build. I'm not saying quick build. You know, I'm not being overconfident. But you know, end of the day, fight doesn't make a difference. Fight to fight, you fight. It doesn't mean it doesn't take no levels. You're fighting. A best man wins. That's how I see it. All right. If they give me a fight, they want me to fight, I'll fight anybody. <laughs> well, that's a good attitude to have. How far away do you think you are from, you know, how many years, how many fights from being in that title discussion? What are you thinking? Uh, probably over two fights. Two fights? Wow. Over, yeah, well, it depends if you give me. All right, all right. Depends if you give me. But in your mind, you know, that's how you feel. Uh, in your mind, that's how you feel. <laughs> Obviously, that's how I'm gonna feel like that. Yeah, you gotta be confident, right? <laughs> yeah, we gotta be confident. Confident, confidence is the key. That's right. Like, I don't like, I don't really like to talk crap, but this is me. I like, I like to be, to be honest. To be honest. Uh, final thing for you, Mark. What was the best part of the whole experience? I'm sure winning was great, but like, was there a moment that stood out? Like, did you love? I don't know the the face off, the walkout. It's, oh, by the way, you come out to three little birds, right? Did you come out to that? Like, like, that was my first fight for a knockout. But yesterday, it was my moment. So I had to play, play this song that I want to feel like playing my moment because it was my moment. I felt like, you know, I've worked to get here. This is my chance. I've got I to gotta get out there and, you know, give it my all. Well, so what, because they didn't show the walkout on TV. So what song was it? Uh, DJ Drama, My Moment. Oh, okay. Because Three Little Birds is my song. That's my walkout song. I don't know if you know yeah. this. Yeah, it's a good song. That, yeah, you'll be hearing that again. Uh, but that, yes, it was my moment. I just needed to play it. Okay, but you're going to go back to Three Little Birds. Definitely, why, yeah. Why do you like that song for a walkout song? Because it's not a typical walkout song. It's just kind of chill. Yeah, that's what I mean. Cause I, it's chilled, but when you're there, you know, I like to be going, knowing that I've done everything right. I'm relaxed. You know, that song, Walking Out There, chills and when you get in there it's into a different animal and that's that's the good thing about it okay i like that um okay so going back to my original question what was your favorite part of the whole experience favorite part i don't know uh, i'm gonna say i can't i don't really know it was just 
the whole the whole thing was just different. Yeah. All of it was just, you know, I, I'm just great, grateful to be there. I just feel like this is this is where I'm meant to be. You know, I'm just enjoying enjoying all, all of it, all of it. It was just amazing. All right. Well, that's great stuff, man. Really, uh, congratulations on the victory. A lot of people are very excited about your career and where you're going and you being in the UFC. You have some very loyal fans, my man. So uh, great stuff. Congratulations again and uh, a fantastic performance. Thank you for coming on just a couple days later. I appreciate it. Thank you for having me. All right. I appreciate it. Yeah. The Bone Crusher, Mark Jacasey. What a great demeanor he has. Smiley, happy. You got to love that. Great stuff there from the Bone Crusher himself. A lot of people very excited about his career in mixed martial arts. What a win that was. I'm, I'm, I'm curious to see how quickly they push him. But there is a name to remember, a face to remember, coming out of England once again. Okay, uh, let us go to our last guest of the day. I told you I was very excited to catch up with, once again, it has been a while since we heard from Mac Rice. As you recall... Around three years ago, he was involved in that car accident, cut his career short, but he's doing great things. Had a very big weekend uh, this past weekend in Oklahoma, so I wanted to catch up with him. Former UFC fighter Matt Rice joining us right now via the Magic Skype. Matt, how are you? Good. How are you? I'm doing great. It's great to talk to you again. It's great to see you. Um, so a very big weekend for you, right? Yeah, definitely. Definitely. I'm very honored uh, for the... Uh you know, recognition, getting the uh, National Wrestling Hall of Fame Oklahoma chapter. So, uh, very honored for that. So, not only were you inducted this weekend, you also received the 2016 Medal of Courage Award. What What is that? What is that for? Uh, just for um, somebody who has overcame, like uh, you know, a, a significant injury or um, something of that nature. Something you know. You know, I guess that went bad in their life and all that stuff. Um, were you expecting to be inducted? Were you expecting to get this award? I mean, you had a fantastic high school career, college career. Were you expecting this at this time? No, I wasn't. They uh, contacted me just a little while ago and uh, told me about it, and it was just kind of came as a hundred percent shock. It was uh, it was very nice to hear and to get to be part of it. So the last time that we spoke to you on this show, obviously, it was, it was pretty shortly after uh, the accident. And you, you were in great spirits, but your life was still very much in transition. Three years later, how are you doing health-wise? Doing great. I mean, you know, God bless me. And I'm, you know, very healthy and getting back. I'm back in the gym, working out and all that. Um, unfortunately, probably never going to be able to fight again. But, you know, it is what it is. I get to... Uh, be here at my gym with we have a bunch of young and up and coming fighters who do a great job and I get to help and teach them and and uh, still stay in touch with it and be part of it. Was it hard to get back to the gym as a coach when you knew that you couldn't fight anymore? You wanted to fight. You were still young. So was it hard to just sort of be forced into this new role? Did you have to come to terms with that? Uh, at first, it, I mean, I kind of stayed away from the gym for a while because it was uh it, it was hard you know because i still wanted to fight i still wanted to compete and it kind of was depressing you know part of me wanted to be in there and i like training but then it was also depressing knowing that i was in here and i would never be able to go compete again in something that i love and enjoy doing but you know i've came to terms with it and i i, I love seeing the guys and girls at the gym when they go compete um and knowing that I help them get to where they're at 
and stuff like that. So it, 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 it's a good deal. What's the name of the gym? R1 MMA. What does R1 stand for? Uh, my, uh, my old, uh, coach used to, my nickname called me the real one. So, uh, when I opened the gym about five years ago, we just called it R1 MMA. <laughs> and, and, in your, your cornering fighters, you're developing fighters, but you're also working, uh, with the, the, the police athletic league, right? Yes. Yeah. Um, I went back when I went back, um, from the accident, I went back on patrol just like I did whenever, right before I got hurt. Cause the doctors told me I would never be able to go back on patrol again and stuff like that. They didn't anticipate me being able to be mentally capable enough to uh, make quick decisions and drive and listen to the radio and all that stuff that I have to do as a police officer. And, um, I just wasn't willing to accept that. So I waited and, you know, healed up, went past every single thing I needed to pass back at the police department. And I went right back to patrol where I left from. And then um, a new job opened up with the police athletic league, which is amazing. It fits me perfect. And uh, um, I put in for that and I actually got that. So now we uh, create sporting leagues for the inner city kids here in Oklahoma City and um, go to schools every day and, and try to give kids a uh, better understanding of police and let them know that, you know, we're people too and that we can be fun and teach them things. Wow. And we have feelings as well. Wow, that is great. Um, so you're no longer on patrol? No, not full-time. I do a lot of overtime where I work, um, like, uh, gang shifts and stuff like that. So I still do go out on patrol on overtime stuff. Um, but my full-time job now is with the police athletic league and, uh, just trying to help the young kids of Oklahoma city. That, that is a very important job, especially in this day and age. Do you feel that there's tension yes. between the civilians and the police force in Oklahoma city? Um, actually, you know, here in Oklahoma city, we are very blessed that we have a really good relationship with the, uh, community and the, the citizens in Oklahoma city. And I think a lot of that comes from our training that the Oklahoma city police department gives us. And, um, just, uh, the way that we treat the citizens and stuff in Oklahoma city. So, um, we haven't had a lot of issues, but there, I mean, it, right now it's all over, you know, people just, uh, you know, the police and some of the, in certain places, it's just very bad. And it could, it could happen here, but thank God it hasn't yet. And we have a, a good relationship. Um, do you like, I don't know if you drive by where you had the accident. Do you, do you still think about it a lot? Does it still affect you emotionally? Uh, I mean, uh, it's one of those things I've tried to put behind me. I mean, cause it's changed my life forever. You know, um, it, you know, I'll never be able to do one of the things I truly care about and love doing. Um, but like I said, I get to help coach and, and train these men and women here at the gym and it keeps me involved in that aspect. But yeah, it's still hard. You know, whenever I, you know, see a fight or there for probably a year or two after the accident, I wouldn't even watch fights because, wow. you know, it was depressing. And my, my oldest daughter, that was one of the things she always wanted to watch fights with me whenever, whenever I was fighting, she always would watch fights with me and stuff like that. So it was about a year and a half or so after the accident, the fights were coming on. She's like, daddy, can we watch the fights? You don't watch me because she would ask me numerous times. I was like, no, I don't want to, you know, it just kind of 
depressed me. But but now we're all good. Watch the fights and help all these guys and girls. And, you know, I love it as much as I did before. Um, do you recall which fight that was that you, you watched for the first time after the accident? Uh, no, I do not. <laughs> I, I wish I did because, like I said, I watched a couple and then I would just turn yeah. them off because I, it was just it was just kind of too much. I'd be like, ah, man, uh, they're just more depressing than anything. <laughs> did it feel like a relief when you stopped feeling that way and could just enjoy the sport again? Oh yeah, a hundred percent. Yeah, it just a lot of it was just me coming to reality. You know that. No, this is what it is. You know, I'm not going to be able to fight anymore. And, you know, I have to accept that. And that the hardest part with me, I think, was that it, uh, I didn't get to retire on my own terms. You know, it was like it was taken from me. And I felt like, and I was the best fighter that I'd ever been at the time. You know, I was just getting my training down right, my diet, everything. And then, you know, uh, that happened. So it just kind of, I felt like it was taken from me, but you know, there's life goes on. <laughs> um, other than of course, fighting physically, is there anything that you can't do? No, no. Uh, you know, for a while, I just, like I said, I was depressed. I didn't work out at all. Um, so got kind of fat <laughs> and, uh, I got now got a uh, J.R. Cochran, one of the main guys in my gym, one of the coaches and, and up and coming fighters. Um, we're working out. I just actually got done working out a while ago and, um, lifting, working out with him all the time and trying to get back in shape. That is great. Um, is there a fighter or two that you're really excited about their, their future, their prospects, as far as the gym is concerned? Is there anyone that you can tell us any names to look out for? Oh yeah, the one I just mentioned, J.R. Cochran. He's a 145 pounder. He's two and zero as a pro. Um, I have a 100, uh, 185 pounder, uh, Chibi, who's a 185 pound pro. He's five and zero with five KOs. And then uh, Braden Smith, who's a 170 pound pro. He's five and one with five finishes. And uh, his loss was kind of a controversial decision and then levi queen who is uh, going down to 170 from 185 um he is uh uh 10 and 3 so and there's and there's numerous other ones you know we i mean i've got a bunch of guys um jared sanders who yep. you know fought the at 135 um um it, shane howell still here training you know he was in the ufc at 125 so we got a lot of, of tough guys, a lot of up and comers, and you know we'll be we'll be back in there soon enough. <laughs> um, and you know when I think of Oklahoma wrestling, I know he didn't go to the University of Oklahoma, but he went to Oklahoma State. Dan Henderson just finished up his career. Yeah. Did Did you watch that fight yeah. on Saturday? No, I was working. Uh, yeah. You know, I love Dan Henderson. That guy is probably one of my favorite fighters ever. And I know a couple guys in my gym they're the same way. That guy you know, is amazing. I didn't get to watch the fight, but everyone I talked to thought he won the fight. Yeah. I don't know. I haven't got to see it yet, so I can't say personally, but I heard that everyone thought he won it. <laughs> it was super close, no doubt about that. Um, looking back on, on your run as an MMA fighter, what's the moment that sticks out? What was your favorite moment? Oh, man. Golly. Um, I mean, the Bermudez fight was probably my funnest fight ever. Yeah, you know, was- so... That was you know, wild. <laughs> yeah, it was a good time. And, you know, and that's like I said, I was, just felt that I thought that was the, after that fight, I felt like that was the beginning of what was about to be 
my career because before that, you know, because um, I started training right before the Leonard fight. Before that, I kind of did my own thing. But but before the Leonard fight, I finally got around the right people. I opened my gym, got good people in, and started sticking to a game plan. And that showed in the Leonard fight. And then when I fought Dennis, I felt like I was the best fighter I'd ever been. And, you know, just felt like, okay, I've got this down now. I got the weight down. I was at the right weight and had my diet and everything. And, you know, and then the rest is history because yeah. <laughs> I didn't get at 166. Um, I, uh, I'll i never forget getting the opportunity to interview both of you after that fight. What an amazing uh, brawl that was, a back-and-forth affair. <laughs> When's the last time you watched it? Oh, man. I I don't even know. <laughs> I honestly couldn't tell you. It's been a while. Do you ever? I, I need to watch. Do you ever go back and watch your old fights or not really? No, I need to. Uh, you know, like I said, I, I just not too long ago I came to the realization of watching other yeah. fights. Yeah. Probably about a year ago, I've watched it a little bit, showing to people that had questions, and um, but yeah, I need to. Uh, I need to go back and watch that for sure. Do you keep tabs on Dennis because you know you're you're linked to him and you had that amazing fight? Do you, have you followed his career afterwards? Uh, yeah, of course. Yeah. yeah, I mean he's looking good. I've you know watched him, him and Ricardo. Yeah, you know Llamas because I fought both of them and been they're both really great guys and you know I've been trying to keep up with both of them and and, and rooting for him. When I say Kevin Durant, what do you think? You know, I don't even really think much about it. I I could care less. <laughs> it, I don't even know what all the big fuss is about. It's it is what it is. He's a he's an adult. He's a grown man, and if he wants to go get paid more somewhere else, then hey, so be it. Are, are people still bummed there? Or are they over it? Uh yeah. I don't know. I, I think they're over it. I hope they are. I mean, <laughs> I'm not gonna let uh, you know something like that ruin my day. It is sure. what it is, you know? Sure. Like they, somebody, I don't know if it's true or not, but there's a town in Oklahoma, Durant, Oklahoma. And somebody said, I think I'm hoping it was fake, but they're trying to get the town name changed from Durant to something else. Oh, I'm my. like, seriously, I was <laughs> <laughs> like, yeah, oh, that's pretty stupid, but whatever. <laughs> um, final thing. Do you have to check in with someone like on a yearly basis about, you know, just how you're feeling? Like what is life like in terms of that for you? Yeah, um, I gotta go see uh, Doctor Smith, my uh, rehab doctor, about you know every six months or whatever, um, just to see you know normal normal junk. I try not never been a big fan of doc going to the doctor, you yeah. know. So I you know if I go, I go. But <laughs> if <laughs> if I have something going on, I guess I can call them anytime. So. <laughs> Well, it's it's great to see you again. It's great to see you in uh, in very good spirits, Matt. And uh, wow, you know, a, a Medal of Courage award. I, I can think of nothing more apropos than something like that to be given to you. So uh, really, really happy for you. Really happy that you're feeling uh, better and that you're back in the MMA game and developing new fighters. That's a great thing to see, and that you've come to terms with with everything. That's 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 really great. I'm really happy for you. So I wish you the best, Matt. And it's great to catch up. And congratulations on the induction and the award this past weekend. Thank you, Ariel. I greatly appreciate it, man. All the best to you and your family, Matt. We'll talk to you soon. You too. Have a good one. All right, there he is, Matt Grice stopping by. How about that? Great to see him. Recall the last time he was on the show, around three years ago, um, after the accident. Uh, seems to be in tremendous spirits. 
Uh, speech is great. At the gym, training, working out, developing new fighters, watching MMA again, Police Athletic League, induction, Oklahoma chapter of the National Wrestling Hall of Fame, Medal of Courage Award. Well done, Matt Grace. Great to see, great to hear. Um, all right. Just a couple of minutes left in the program. Anything else we have to get to, Mr. New York Rick? Um, yeah. I have some more questions for okay, you. Okay, hit me, actually. Go ahead. I'm thinking. <laughs> okay. There's a lot on my mind. A lot. It's tortured soul, huh? World Series of Fighting this past weekend. Did you watch it? Nope. Why? What's wrong with you? No. Not a fan? Main event was canceled. Not yeah, really canceled. that interested. Jason, hi. That's your guy. Wait, did you watch it? I did. Oh, okay. But not live, I will admit. I didn't watch it. It was too late. Main card started at 11 o'clock yeah. Eastern time. With no Justin Gaethje promise of violence on the other end? But I'm your out. boy, Jason, hi. Yeah, it's not, that's not going to get me. Vitor Belfort, will he fight again? Huh. I have to assume so. If he didn't officially do it, now, why, you know, what was the, the reason for waiting? So I'm thinking, yeah. Hmm. I'm thinking no. Why? I just don't feel like he has it anymore. You know, he's doing less media, just getting old. I mean, he's been doing this for so long. I th- maybe yeah, he's but, searching for that one last hurrah, but I don't yeah, know. Yeah, maybe get one on the, you know, Mark Munoz got one where he, he wanted to go out with a win. I think. Fair. I could see Vitor doing the same thing. And also I think Vitor can make, can draw money still, so. Um, I think I think I'll fight again. Mike Perry's new tattoo. Love it, adore it. Those are the only two options. <laughs> only What's two. more than adore? Uh, are you serious? It's incredible. He got. Platinum. Does it not fit the brand? I mean, yeah, it's, it it's it's perfect for the brand. He certainly does fit the brand with that tattoo. I mean, what is it? Platinum above the left eyebrow. I think it was in cursive. It's very classy. It's super classy. Yeah. The eye tattoo is the, the classiest. Of- it was funny after that fight against, um, name escaping me, name escaping me, name escaping me. Lim? No, no, no. The one on Saturday. Oh, um, Roberts. Yes. Hot chocolate. Um, it was funny after that. Everyone was like, fight of the night. Just give him the award. Just give him the award. And then Michael Bisping, Dan Henderson happens. By the way, right now, who's your vote for best fight of the year? Man, that's tough. Um, I haven't been able to do a deep dive to like, kind of dig out the ones that are not being talked about, but I have to feel like Connor and, and Nate too is is the front runner. Over, I still think that the front runner is the last fight on the first card of 2016, Robbie Lawler, Carlos Condit. I still feel like that was the best fight. That fifth round, do you remember that fifth round? It's escaping me. Oh my God. That fifth round was was complete insanity. Back and forth. Remember they were swinging and then that shot of both of them over, over the, cage. the cage. Yes, oh, I still think that was the fight of the year and the round of the yeah, year. Yeah, I, th- I feel like the stakes in McGregor-Diaz were very high. Yeah. Um, which is enha- maybe enhancing my memory of it, but... McGregor-Diaz, both of them are in the consideration. But, but certainly number two. Number two. Yeah. Um, Stipe against Overeem. I know it was shorter. No. It was shorter, but it was very good. It was back and forth. Oh, come on. That's like saying, you know, Brown Arlovsky uh, wins fight of the year. Just because they each almost went out one time doesn't mean it was a great fight. Round of the year, maybe. 
Yeah. Did that go into the second, or was it just the first? I think it was just the first. Stipe? Yeah. I f- why do I feel like it went into the second? Maybe you're right, though. It's been a while. It's been, it's been a while. Actually, it hasn't. It's been a month. Um, it's been a long year. Uh, so the Carlos Robbie fight. Now it's bothering me. Let's look it up. Yeah, I'm looking it up too. I think it was the first. I was there for God's sakes. Carlos Robbie. What else? Well, when, oh, Misha against Holly. That's yeah, round one, there. steep AKO. Yeah. Um, Misha Holly, TJ good against fight. Cruz. Although I feel like Misha Holly was a bit of Holly just kind of being in cruise control and then a, a drastic upset. No, you remember like, there was that second round? Oh, that's right. Yeah, she was in danger of few had her points. Back. You know what? For me, the the fight, I almost like the back and forth for a fight of the year. Yeah. Um, and Nate and, and Connor had that. It, they were trading rounds, and it's going to be hard to top that one for me, I think. Um, but I'd have to go back, and sometimes there's those ones that you forget at the beginning of the card, like you're talking about with, with Perry and Roberts, where it was an incredible fight, and, and the main event steals the shine. There's probably one or two like that that I'll go back and, and hipster it up and choose. Hipster it up? Yeah, I mean, that's what you tell me every single time. What does that have to do with that? That I'm an MMA hipster. Well, I'm going to pick, like, uh, you know, some random fight night card. Um that had a great fight on the prelims oh, oh like that yes. one you always do oh that. which one the one that kicked off one of the shows i'm forgetting oh yeah which 199 location. 199 yeah that fight might be my choice <laughs> that fight against the two guys that i don't remember <laughs> that might be my choice for a, for a fight of the year 199 what a blur that night is for me so, as far as the card is concerned I'll, uh I'll, I'll do that i'm sure by the time our awards season comes around dung young kim the other one against marco polo reyes yes ko in the third round that was a bunk. You have to admit. Can I be honest with you? There are worse choices than that. Can I be honest with you? Yeah. I have not seen the fight. Because that's when I was gathering all my nuts for the Brock and Nate. Uh, I was in my hotel room. <laughs> I was wearing my, my towel. Nuts. I had just gotten out of the shower, got the confirmations I needed, and started writing it, but was waiting for one more thing, got to the arena, you know the rest. So I actually missed the first two fights i missed the kevin casey fight and the marco polo reyes fight go back and watch it yeah i should watch it well uh, ungather your nuts and go back and watch it. <laughs> uh, as we get ready for our big award show yes end of year it's coming up fast or beginning of the year because the last show of the year is december 30th as far as fights are concerned yeah last so, year i think we did that right we went I like in, that. in early january i think that's better mm-hmm. it, it, nothing nothing and let me tell you about nothing pisses me off more in this world there's nothing that pisses me off more than early award shows i mean you got to include the entire year well no i mean then you could just make through end of december no. town and then the no, next one goes to, to next 2016 year. awards yeah. include the entire year stickler over here did last thing last yeah, question hit me. did you watch the debate of course I watched the debate. You did? Over the Blue Jays game? Jeez. Baseball? Are you really? for real right now? Did you really watch it? Yeah, of course I watched the debate. Did you enjoy it? Yeah, it, for me it's theater. Although I probably should be a See, little more concerned. This is the problem. This is the problem. Me, it's a joke. That is the problem right there. Like I have my 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 father-in-law says this to me and and I'll be a Canadian so it doesn't really count, but everyone says this. It's fun. It's theater. It's reality TV. This is what got you in this mess. People, including you, who say that should be ashamed of themselves. How this dare is, you? This is what got you in this mess. By enjoying this car wreck of a situation, this is your country, this is your future, this is your kid's future, and you're just enjoying it with your popcorn 
This is why we're in this mess. No. Are you not embarrassed? Because election day will come and my vote will be cast. And regardless of what happened to this point, that are, won't... That are, you, won't. are you not embarrassed that we reached this point? I mean, this is America, for God's sakes. This is the greatest yeah. country in the world. It's... This is it doesn't make us look leader. good for who you know. It doesn't least. make us look good for other countries once our leader is chosen. Um, that this is kind of what we're engaging in. That's for who are you sure. voting for? Can you tell me who no, are you endorsing? I'm not about to give out my political Why? views. No, no. Who are you endorsing? There's only two choices. I'm gonna write what? in. Can I ask Brian Stan and make everybody are, on MMA so, Twitter happy? Why is it so taboo to talk about who you're voting well, for? Like you can talk about anything else. It's people are very passionate about it, so you don't want to you don't want to have people upset with you. About your, your political scared. choices. I'm going to write in Brian Stan and make everybody happy. If you do that, I want proof of it. And then why are you watching this <laughs> is that Is that legal? Am I allowed to take a picture of what uh-huh. I voted for? I think I might. Truth be told, I've never voted because by the time I got to America, that's when I was legal to vote in Canada. And I didn't feel like I should so be So you're going to do your, civ- your civic duty, right? You're going to do it. I can't. I'm not allowed. I'm not a citizen. Wait. I, I can tell you this. I have a green card. I can't vote. Ah, you have a green card. Okay. If I was able to vote, we wouldn't be in this mess. I'll tell you that much. I would have cleaned this up. Unfortunately, I can't, so I have no real dog in the race. Yeah, you, you, <laughs> it's nice for you to be talking from the outside, Mr. Uh, Mr. Green Card. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable that you guys think it's This is my data. platform that I will vote for. Make America trill again. Please. <laughs> that <is> right. <laughs> Let's make America trill again. How about that? How about that revelation? That Derek, was did you think that Derek Lewis was a Trump guy? Wouldn't know either way, but I thought, obviously, I thought the hat was mocking, so I would have thought not. Yeah. Um, but maybe, yeah. That's maybe, the real big story maybe it's broken a tribute, today. But I thought, it, I thought it was mocking, so I thought not. But, you know, you never know with these types of things. But good for him for going out and, and uh, revealing his... Sure. His, See, he's not afraid. Why are you so afraid? Well, I'm not Derek Lewis. <laughs> Derek Lewis doesn't have much to be afraid of if, if you've seen Fair the man. Enough. I mean, he says um, that he's going to go to Dana White's house. Yes. And ask for his I money. Would, I would. <laughs> <laughs> the image of Derek Lewis just knocking on the door, uh, asking for his money, is uh, startling. Um, but I believe him at the same time. I believe he will call Dana White if he doesn't get uh, any confirmation soon and, and ask for his money. That's a video blog in its own right. Oh, I'm sure he's very savvy with that. I'm sure it will. Uh, it will be documented in some way. By the way, Josh Donaldson, who scored. To win that game, big UFC fan. In fact, one of the highlights of my Twitter career is when he liked one of my tweets. What a wow. thrill it is oh, when a man. famous person likes one of your tweets. I mean, yeah, what, his, what his, confirmation? His 15 seconds of athletic activity per game oh, is, is really, you know. Big UFC fan. He interviewed Rory McDonald before his fight at... Uh, I think he was the impetus for us getting the... The hair thing. The hair thing. Yeah, the donation to the Movember. Guy. So, you know what? Josh Donaldson's okay in my book. He's the man. But baseball sucks. Hard. What does that even mean? Sucks hard. It's just ter- it's just a boring, terrible sport. You are missing. I mean, I am sweat I, I typically have very sweaty palms. I am sweating so much during these games. You can watch all the action from a baseball game in about ten seconds after it's over. I'm sitting there for three and a half hours, rocking back and forth, doing my little special things. Uh, <laughs> wait, 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 wait! Don't doing, move on. What are these special things? <laughs> I have little things that I do, and I, I tell you, I swear, when I stop doing them, bad things happen, and then when I go back to doing them, good things happen. So, what it's are these special things? Because I'd like to. I can't. I can't reveal because then I'm going to superstition jinx them. about it. I I'm see. going to jinx them. Now, do you do these for the Knicks as well? I do them for the Knicks. In fact, they developed around 1998-97 uh, I think it was around 97 when we were the 
when we were the favorites against the Heat, and then it all went. So let me down. propose something to you. Yes. Maybe you should stop because your teams have not maybe fared well. Well, maybe I only you... do them in the big games, and well, yeah, they don't fare well. In yeah, maybe either. you stop. Maybe you pick new ones. Well, now we're going good. Things are going well. October twenty fifth, baby. No. Yep. All right. Cut your mic. <laughs> <laughs> October 25th. That's it. All right. Um, okay, we're done. Bye-bye. I mean, if you're going to insult the great game of baseball, you're out. You can hear my music. In case you missed it, uh, Conor McGregor with a great tweet earlier. Where was it? I get fined more than these bums get paid. Now, wouldn't it have been funny if he actually said that on the phone call to them? This is second place. Still pretty damn amazing. Already has 25,000 likes on that tweet. 17,000 retweets. Amazing. Why, do, why does everyone, when, when Connor tweets, why do they call him dad? It's a very bizarre thing. Dad, king. What's going on here? People are weird. Anyway, thank you to all who tuned in today on this Thanksgiving Monday in Canada. Hope you enjoyed the turkey. Thank you very much to Pizzi Carroll. How about that? Breaking news from Pizzi Carroll on the show today. Bama, Bellator, December, huge. Co-promotion. Very exciting stuff. Thank you very much to Daniel Cormier. Best of luck to him on December 10th. Thank you very much to Ricardo Lamas. Good luck in getting that next fight. Thank you very much to Misha Tate. Good luck on November 12th. Thank you very much to Derek Lewis, making it trill. Good luck getting that next fight as well. Thank you very much to Chris Weidman. Good luck on November 12th. Big fight for him. MSG, very deserving. Thank you very much to Mark Diacasey. Congrats on your first UFC win. And thank you very much to Matt Grice. Congratulations on the awards. Back next week, same time and place. Until then, I say peace. Shut my down.